Yeah. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. The 12-gauge double-barreled Remington. S-Mart's top of the line. You can find this in the sporting goods department. That's right, this sweet baby was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Retails for about $109.95. It's got a walnut stock, cobalt blue steel, and a hair trigger. That's right. Shop smart. Shop S-Mart. You got that? <laughs> now I swear. The next one of you primates even touches me. Talk about how I get back home. Three minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of January in the year of our Lord, 2008. Uh, thank you for coming along, making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. I just somebody changed the processing again. I sound fantastic this morning. Maybe I'm just delirious, but I don't think so. Nice that's to see you being delirious. That's okay, I'll take it. Uh, hello, it is uh, Monday, and welcome to Day 12. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for uh, coming by. If you'd like to join us today, it is 503-733-2970. With your comments, your questions, clarifications, questions, whatnot. Input. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com, sarah at 970.am, tim at 970.am, or richie with a T. At 970.am. There's no particular reason for playing Army of Darkness today. I just felt like it, and I had nothing else prepared. And I spent about four minutes trying to edit down that closing speech for the American president, but I couldn't find a way to make it, like, you know, short and not unbelievably tedious. And I love Aaron Sorkin and all, but there's just no way. Even I can't stomach that. For the same reason, the same reason we've never played the Show Me the Money speech. And I love Cameron Crowe and all, but not going to happen. Uh, anyway, hello. It is uh, Monday. It is January 7th. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, 503-733-2970. And I think Bruce Campbell's coming to Portland at some time. Because he's got the, they call me Bruce, they call me Ash, they call me something or other. My name is Bruce. Whatever that thing is. He's got that Galaxy Quest thing coming out. And then um, he's doing something else. He's got some other book or something. So anyways, we're going to try to get Bruce Campbell, uh, I don't know, sometime in the next few weeks when he comes to Portland. Stay tuned for details. Uh, anyway, howdy and hello. It is 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane. Did anybody see Richie with his vast array of hypodermic needles in the kitchen this morning? 
Did that freak you out a bit? His needle exchange program? Well, sort of. Apparently, because, of course, it's a whole give you the razor, sell you the blades thing when you buy a computer printer. Where the computer printer itself is fine, but then they charge you like $500 every time you get a refill the black ink thing or whatever. And, of course, they've designed printers rather cunningly so that you can't buy the... Well, let me ask you this. You open up your kit, like your average computer printer, and there's just a huge... I mean, it's massive inside. It's, it's, you know, the, the thing is the size of a small car. And yet the inkwell is always the same size. The inkwell is about an inch by an inch, thus requiring you to refill it. I mean, a lot. Seriously, and it's not even... The printer cartridges are worth more than the printer itself. They have it all for you don't that one. I know. And so it's not even an issue of cost for me. I mean, it is, I mean it's expensive. But it's also just a matter of inconvenience. Why, even if you have to charge me more, why don't they just make the inkwell larger? You know, in other, in other words, if, if the regular size inkwell is whatever, 50 bucks, charge me 150 bucks and make it three times as large so I don't have to drag it. And I can never figure out how the freaking thing goes into the printer anyway. So I'm always obliged to unplug it, stick it in my car, and lug it down the street to some uh, printer toner computer place. Where some guy named, uh, you know, like Smitty comes out in greasy overalls and charges me $150 to put uh, three weeks' worth of ink in. Anyway, so that Richie's... That your printer, by the way. If what? you bring it to, to one of those, we refill your ink places. Really? It's never the same as the manufacturers. <laughs> and they know that. And it's designed to screw up your printer so you end up buying a new one. So if you dare to buy a printer cartridge outside of your manufacturers, you're a dead man. <laughs> They have it all figured out. Well, just, I, I sound different today, too. It's just, it's just back there installing it with a rubber mallet. Does this go in here? Sure. <laughs> all right. The processing is different. See, that's what I mean. The processing has been a little changed. Hello, Why? Sarah. How are you today? I'm doing well. Oh, I do sound weird. The processing, I, but it sounds better. I think somebody, I think Matt Green has been here, been in here, maybe been adjusting I, knobs. Maybe I accidentally turned it off under the counter when I was looking for the food. Oh, yeah, this is the other I thing that happened. I pushed a couple of buttons before I hit the right one. I can't believe you guys had your hands on the ground down there, too. It's so gross. So for it no is. readily apparent reason, we came in this morning, and Tim's computer had been turned off, and not like in standby or idle or shut down or whatever mode. It was just turned off at the source. At least your tower is in here for your computer. If my computer gets turned off, I have to walk all the way to the to the rack room, and then it's mounted like up, and I have to get like a step ladder and get up in the rafters to turn it on. So Tim's computer was turned off, which means he has to like literally get on get on all fours like a common dog. It's like the grease pit of Kentucky Fried Chicken under there. <laughs> it's like getting into the pit of Starlock. Or whatever. To, he has to get down on the floor underneath where Sarah sits. And, of course, there is no light down there because that would make it too easy. So we have to, uh, and, and, and nobody can ever remember to get a flashlight either. So Tim is really crawling around like a common house animal on all floors trying to find the on button for the computer. And let me ask you this. this is, while we're talking about flaws in computer design, and I can already tell this is going to be, uh, it's going to be a trend in today's program because I, I was already planning on bitching about something about my computer upstairs today. And this is not so much about our IT department as it is just the design of computers themselves. But while we're on the subject, let me ask you this. Would it be too difficult to just have the on button for the computer either A, have its own little light that was always on, or B, maybe just make it glow a little bit. Like, if you don't want to actually want to hook it to anything so it can constantly be seen, maybe make it glow in the dark a little bit. Just so when Tim is... I, I wish the person who used this during the weekend would not turn it off. There's a difference between signing off and shutting off the computer. I know. Nobody ever knows that difference, do they? I believe the initials are DP. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think Sarah and I both both thought the same vastly inappropriate comment. 
Oh, you shouldn't have said that because now you know he's going to come down and. Well, you know, I will. It's not a personal thing. No, but here's the thing. Wait, who's between here? Well, this is the thing, Tim. Yeah. Sure, was an MP. By the way, you're listening to uh, the Rick Emerson Show. It is Monday. We'll talk about what's coming up here in just a second. But what better way to fritter away our valuable airtime than to talk about computer issues affecting us and no one else? Okay, <laughs> there's three. There's three placements in this room. There's three c- computer positions. There's Sarah, who is PC one. I am PC two. Tim is PC three. On the weekend. And I do believe that uh, Miles Around is now the only show, I don't know these sorts of things, um, I think that they're the only people who use the studio other than us. I mean, in a broadcasting sense. So James sits where Sarah is. Dennis sits where I am. Can't be. Well, he must sign on my computer using his name. Oh, he must sign on uh, Oh, so ma- Okay, I'm not saying that. I am saying... I know per- that Dennis sits here. Okay. Where I So whoever that Dennis signs on for this computer... Matt Peterson is shutting it down <laughs> Okay. instead of signing it off. We'll pass it. God, we sound like the most tight-ass group of individuals ever, but I will I will pass that along, though. That is Matt, and here's how I know. Because I had to come in here a few weeks ago. It was that day that I walked in, and Dennis was sitting over here in a wife beater and his ACDC boxing short <laughs> bottoms or whatever. And like that's... he was wearing, like, loose-spinning sweatpants. Jesus, who else did I see the other day that had come to work in their pajamas? Why do people give up at such a young age these days? You know who it was? It was Timmy Ryan. Timmy Ryan had come to work in his pajamas yeah, last night. Nobody's here. Have some self-respect. <laughs> Don't walk around in your life wearing sweatpants. You, you, you picked the wrong business. I know, but or, I mean, or drawstring trousers as another good thing for radio people. I can Dream count like it's still the 1980s. I can count on zero fingers the number of times I've come to work in my pajamas, unless it was 2:30 in the morning and something was on fire and I had to come and fix it. And even then, I think, as Sarah said, I had enough sense of self to put on pants. No, I wouldn't the even go out to let my dog out in my pajama pants. No. 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 You would just take that extra five seconds and put on jeans. Yep. So, Dennis, so... Here in the suburbs, at least we put on our robes. So, Dennis has been in my chair. It's like a Goldilocks thing. Dennis has been in my chair. Who's been in my in chair? In his pajamas. Timmy Ryan has sat in your chair in his pajamas. Probably Matt, too, for that matter. Think on that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, in any event, here we are. Who sits in my chair in their pajamas? Um, well, possibly, everybody possibly takes a turn. <laughs> everybody takes a turn at Sarah's chair. Ew, that sounds wrong. Zang. All right. I gotta quit saying Zang. I stole that from Bobby. I gotta get my own one syllable punctuation when I say something witty. Uh, it's 503 Um, uh, phone calls coming in about the various things. We'll get to those in a second. Uh, James Roop will be joining us from Los Angeles today, where he was. It's his favorite kind of assignment ever. Uh, they had him out talking to. The man on the street to get the because no one has more salient input about the Writers Guild strike than just some idiot walking across the streets in the, in Los Angeles. Uh, so you'll uh, be talking to consumers. About but, these. but chances are, if you're walking across the street in Los Angeles and you're white, you're in the entertainment business. Well, that's fine. or at least you are no no more than two degrees away probably yeah. from somebody. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us today to talk about uh, New Hampshire. And plus, this did you see this that Michael Bloomberg is floating this idea that he's going to be running for president? Do you suppose somebody told him that it's already January and everything's pretty much decided? Uh, After all, Mitt Romney is doing such a great job at it. Why not another rich man? (laughs) We need more rich white people in this race. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. And uh, we will talk to uh, Lisa Desjardins, who is in Manchester. Uh, because the uh, New Hampshire primary now less than 24 hours away. I'm very excited. Oh, I got low, man. You don't even know. As depressing as it is that they're already chiseling the epitaph on Hillary's tombstone, I got lots to say about that, though. I'm still going to be following it. It's just, I'll be sad if my horse ain't in the race. That's all I'm saying. 
Uh, so Steve Kasim of Jim Roop, Lisa Desjardins, top five today. Peter Carlin uh, joining us from the uh, Oregonian. Brittany Watch, uh, Cannibal Watch, and I think a clergy watch. I don't know. I said it over there somewhere. Um, let's see. And a whole bunch of other uh, eh, crap. We're uh, joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Am I? Anything you'd like to share with the room? Nothing. You were just making a lot of noises this morning. I wasn't at, I wasn't upset. I just wanted my special internet time. Making the same noises me. I make every day. I'm gonna I'm gonna secretly record all of your noises someday, uh-huh. and then people can hear all the noises that you make. Here's the thing. I don't dispute that when I come in, I have a series of trademark sounds and uh, noises and grunts and utterances. <clears> that <throat> if I do that. I know that I whistle sometimes. You, do, you whistle and you do like your. I, uh, yes. I finish my coffee with relish. I know that I sometimes, here's another thing. I know I do this. I know I hit the counter. I know I, like, I hit my feet on the floor sometimes. I know that I hum underneath my breath. But see, normally those things bother you on a scale of 1 to 10. I'd say they register like a 3 on the irritation uh, meter. Today they're registering higher for some reason. No, I think I'm still fighting off the sickness. And I got a lot of sleep this weekend. I think I'm finally thinking... I don't know, because I got a lot of sleep, but I still feel tired, so I think I'm fighting off something. You know what I'm saying? All right. But yeah, and I watched this really fabulous uh, movie yesterday called Factory Girl. It's the Warhol thing? Or no, not... Yeah, Warhol. Yeah, it's yeah. Warhol and uh, Edie Sedgwick. Played by Sienna Miller, who's just drop-dead gorgeous, and Guy Pierce plays Andy Warhol. Isn't she with um, Jude Law? No, that was how she became famous, though, because she was dating him, then he slept with the nanny. Excellent. And, yeah, yada, yada. So, so Susan Reynolds went to see the Bob Dylan film this weekend. That uh, don't say? I'm not there, or something or other. Um, Would yeah, you I'm like to know her thoughts on it? Yes. Sure. She said it was one of the worst films she has ever seen in her life. So, uh... Well, we should have Susan in to talk about some of the best films she's ever seen. Okay. I want to find out why it was so bad. I... Well, she said that, I mean... It, it seems like it's a creative... It's sort of an experimental film. Yeah. And I haven't seen it. I, I probably won't, just because I'm not a big enough Dylan fan to really justify it. But she said that she... And Susan's, you know, Susan's nobody's idea of dumb. She said that at the end of the movie, the credits went up, and she and her husband were sitting there staring at the screen, and then they just sort of looked at each other, and it was a lot of that, like, no one wants to be the first to admit that they didn't get something. Because then it's like you're afraid that you might be making yourself look dumb. And so there was this long, awkward pause, and I think finally her husband said, Did you understand that? And she said, No. I, Did you understand it? He said, No. And then they kind of shrugged and left. So, but she was actually still she was still so ang- like angry about the film this morning that the first thing she walked up the stairs this morning, she set down her purse in her office, and she came in and she immediately like walked into where I was. Came in, stood in front of my desk, and unloaded on me about the Dylan film. So she was still so off put by the whole experience but, today. That's like a lot of these fantasy films. You walk in, you have no idea what you just watched, and at what point the film lost you. Well, I, and then you're wondering, you're looking around, though, wondering if everybody else in the theater is as lost as you are. I remember when I saw um, uh, Mulholland Falls. Is that the one? What's the Lynch film? Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive. I remember watching Mulholland Drive. messed up. Sitting there in the theater and just wondering if I had somehow fallen asleep and missed whole, like, sections of the plot that were necessary to understand it. It was like like everybody else in the theater had some sort of Rosetta Stone or skeleton key or something that allowed them to get the film. And I kept... Looking, and then you start to wonder if you're being made the object of fun. Like if there's some sort of a psychology one-on-one experiment happening, where you know a bunch of college students get you in a room and they show you a film that's nothing but gibberish, and then they see on the way out to see what your reactions to it. That's were. how I feel when I read some Tom Robbins books. Yes. I'm like, did I did I miss something yeah. back there? And I'll have to go back and reread like 15 pages. I'm like, no, I didn't miss anything. It's and, still not making him. And what makes that worse then is you're always surrounded by friends. God, we all sound bitchy today, but you're surrounded <laughs> by friends then who go on about the existential greatness of the work. You know, hey, what did you think of even Cowgirls Get the Blues? I don't know. I couldn't understand any of it. 
Oh, man, you're really missing out. He really makes some salient observations about the human condition. And then you go back and you read it again, and you're like, I don't get it. I don't... What? You know, and I just... There are movies that I've, I've watched five, six, seven, eight, nine times trying to understand what everybody else sees in the <laughs> Big Lebowski. And and I just... And I sort of come away just kind of going, I, all right. I, See, mine was Memento. Oh, Memento. I wasn't, that, I wasn't that stoked on Memento. And everyone tells me it's the greatest movie ever, so I went to CD Game Exchange and bought it for $5. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm going to love this. It's creative. I mean, it's interesting. I like the concept. Don't want to watch I've it watched again. It, exactly. I've watched it... Actually, that's not true. I watched it twice. I watched it once. I watched it one and a half times. Yeah, and then I watched it again to kind of go, hey, because you want to see how it all fits together. Kind of like everybody had to see The Sixth Sense or whatever it was uh, the second time. Never need to see it again. Oh, here are the movies I have to watch. 310 to Yuma, Away From Her, Hairspray, which I've already seen, Into the Wild, which I've already seen, No Country for Old Men, and I'm also getting tickets for There Will Be Blood. Now, are you sure you should see No Country for Old Men, Tim? I have to. If because I'm he's a SAG, SAG member. You are voting on the SAG Awards. Now, that, that oh. There Will Be Blood movie is mm-hmm. supposed to be fantastic. I saw the trailer for it at Charlie Wilson's War, and it just looks unbelievable. Uh, it's a new Paul Thomas Anderson film, He of Magnolia and Boogie Nights. Uh, that move, that, that film just looks, uh, it looks unbelievably good. So, so I have to watch all these before the 25th. Now, do you get screeners of those? Yeah, or do you get coming go- in the mail. Really? That's cool. Are you allowed to share the screeners with others? I suppose my closest <gasps> friends. Yes, thank you very much. Well, I don't have a couple. Excellent. Between you and Peter Carlin, I might never need to have to leave the house again. I can just, uh, all right. Uh, anyway, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. Ten vehicles crash on Salem's icy roads today. Hundreds of lily-white middle-aged New Hampshire voters wait in line for hours to hear Barack Obama speak. Hillary nearly tears up in New Hampshire. You can tell that James Carville is behind all this. Let's see if I can play a little clip from this. Us together. You know, some of us put ourselves out there and do this against some pretty difficult odds. And we do it, each one of us, because we care about our country. More about that later. It's like she saw a movie one time where somebody demonstrated emotion and she just sat and practiced that in front of a mirror for a while but still can't quite pull it off. Republicans agree that we have the best health care system in the world, but sure. Rudy says some Americans don't have health care insurance because they're too lazy to buy it. Don't buy your bootstraps. The final WMUR TV poll shows Obama well ahead of Hillary and John McCain leading the Republicans. And I saw that... Uh, Who's that guy that won big in Iowa? Barack uh, Obama. No, no, Mike the Republican Huckabee. guy. He is in some New Hampshire church talking about that we're all part of God's army. Of course. Which isn't going to play well there since New Hampshire in uh, Massachusetts, uh, the center of the uh, Catholic scandal. So yeah. Nobody's really in the church Boy, out he's there. the most unbelievably boring candidate, too. You, oh, I, don't, I, th- I think it's Mitt Romney. Well, he's the meanest. No, Mitt Romney's a bad person. I uh, read a big profile of him, and uh, I read the, the big Newsweek profile on him, and he, you just come away with the fact that he j- just, he's just a huge dick. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of his, that is his essence. Well, here's another one. Uh, Dr. Phil pulls the plug in his planned Britney show. Uh, Britney stay at Cedar sinai over the weekend is described by one tabloid as like a scene out of The Exorcist. Fantastic. And for the world of tomorrow, GM will build cars that drive by themselves. Excellent. All of that coming up, uh, your phone calls and so forth. They're the cars of tomorrow? Yes. Cars of tomorrow Tomorrow. today. No, tomorrow. But some of us are right and some of us are wrong. Okay. Uh, All right. Boy, we're all kinds of out of sync today. (laughs) Jim, did you sleep well last night? For the most part. You got your normal quote of sleep, no more, no less? Yes, and I spend most of my time online. I'm always excited about the election, so I can't sleep. Sarah? I slept too much. I I went to bed at about... 
11. After not going out on Saturday night, I didn't even do anything Saturday night. I watched movies and stayed in, so got a lot of sleep Saturday night. Fell asleep at 11. Woke up in the middle of the night to where I felt like my house was shaking. I really felt that there was an earthquake. I, was, I, don't, I don't know what time it was. I think it was probably like around 3 or 4 in this the morning. This was last night? Last night. Woke up. My dog was laying in the bed next to me. He starts freaking out. He's going crazy. And I'm, I woke up with a start. I'm like, I felt something shaking. I There's kind the of been thunder. There has been thunder lately. Maybe I don't know if it was raining or not. I couldn't hear rain, but the dog in the apartment below me started like howling. They're always too. the first to know. Yeah, they were both going nuts, and finally I had to, you know, calm up it down. After about five minutes, I didn't hear anything after that. Ugh. All right. Didn't so um, yeah, it was un- it was interrupted. Don't you live in that place that was built on an old crazy house? Didn't your house used to? Didn't your apartment building used to be some sort of asylum? And I'm not trying to start an urban legend. Isn't that true? It's near an asylum. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's kind of scary. Dogs sometimes, can sometimes actually. sense what we humans cannot. Sarah, I sleep with my taser next to my bed. Fantastic. I uh, I went to sleep late. I got to sleep at one, and then around five thirty this morning, I just woke up and couldn't get back to sleep. I just woke up and not that thing where you're not rested. You're just awake. There's a difference between being rested. You know, your body is not always a perfectly functioning toaster where things, you know, it, it reaches its, you know, it finishes the task and goes ding and pops you awake. Sometimes you just, you know, you just eject halfway through for no reason. So around 5.30 this morning, I just woke up and was unable to attain sleep again. But in no way should you confuse that with me being rested because I'm not. So together, it's going to be the best show ever because all of us are misfiring in one way or another. Um Ooh. All right, uh, before we get these calls, there's a couple of observations. Uh, thanks to everybody who went, uh, came out to see Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, uh, for Court and Fatboy on Friday. That was fantastic. Just And I, I made the mistake. I thought about it like 10 seconds too late uh, that I realized I should have called my voicemail and recorded the sound of a bunch of drunken maniacs in a theater, 300 of them all going, Khan! All at once. Oh, and was it awesome? Right as it was leading up to it, I thought, oh, good and then my, my phone was dead, and I wasn't able to do it. it because, and I'm not like the biggest Star Trek fan, but I, you know, I have, uh, I suppose, a, the, the, a, lay, a lay geek's knowledge of it. But we're getting towards that whole sequence where he does the whole, you know, I shall leave you as you left her, buried in the center of a planet, or whatever that speech is. <laughs> and then Shatner does the whole, and you know, where he screams, Khan, I mean, 250 guys who have been drinking beer all night long. And just been waiting all week for this opportunity to scream Khan at the top of their lungs. It really was fantastic. All the more so because I was sitting next to uh, Aaron. Aaron Duran was sitting next to me at the theater. You know when you go to the movies sometimes, especially if you go to like a, a brew pub or some place where they're served alcohol, and there's always that one guy in the movie who's really like a lot louder than everybody else and really... You can just hear him talking through the entire film in like an increasingly loud and strident tone of voice. That was Aaron at Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. From the very beginning, first of all, and I'm not saying it was Aaron, but somebody smuggled in a huge bottle of Romulan ale, which does, I believe, contain Everclear as one of its key ingredients. So Aaron was just getting prog- like exponentially drunker as every moment of the movie went by. Aaron has seen, I mean, I'm only guessing this from his behavior. I would imagine that Aaron has seen Star Trek II somewhere in the area of five or six hundred times. Because unlike most movies, well, like we can all quote certain lines or quote certain passages from films. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that Aaron can talk along with about 85% of Wrath of Khan, which he then proceeded to do through the entire evening. So as the movie is playing, as the night goes on, you hear Aaron narrating along with the film but like louder and louder and louder as the night goes on and as he gets drunker and drunker 
And so if you were sitting anywhere else in the theater, what you would have experienced is the regular film and then this sort of like supplementary auto audio track that's just Aaron talking along with the dialogue. <laughs> but as the movie got to be like 15 minutes in, half an hour in, 40 minutes in, by the time we reached the 90-minute point of Wrath of Khan, it is no exaggeration to say that Aaron was actually just screaming every line to the film as it happened at a substantially higher volume level than the movie itself. Uh, and then, of course, and I'm not trying to spoil this for anybody, of course, Wrath of Khan ends with Spock dying. And so there's this huge tearful moment where Spock sacrifices himself to save the Enterprise because of the good of the many outweigh the good of the few. And so, and so Aaron, I'm not trying to mock, but Aaron just begins weeping like a girl. Aaron just begins sobbing in the seat next to me. Because A, he's a geek, and B, it's tearful, and C, he's really drunk. And so Aaron, who is, you know, I'm not trying to poke fun, I'm just saying, a grown man. Aaron is sitting next to us at the Wrath of Khan. And as Spock is dying, Aaron just, you start hearing this. <laughs> and then someone in the theater sort of snickered, or made, you sort of laughed at, the, at Spock's death scene, and then Aaron immediately started screaming at them. So there's a guy in the theater who's laughing at Spock's death scene, and from the back of the, from the, back of the room you just hear Aaron going, You shut up! You don't have a soul! You be quiet! It's Spock! And I just happened to be consoled by the people who were sitting next to him. Oh, it was, boy. It was all things great and terrible. It really was. Um, and then after Wrath of Khan got out, uh, we were all talking in the, uh, in the lobby, and we ran into this guy Dan, who is the guy that found the Joker phone that they have just, that they put in Portland as part of the viral campaign for the Dark Knight. Uh, so if you're following the Dark Knight, uh, sort of the, the way that they are kind of doing this unconventional guerrilla marketing for the Dark Knight, they planted a Joker cell phone inside a Joker cake. Uh, in several different cities, one of them is Portland, and we met the guy in the lobby who found the Joker cake, and he pulled out the cell phone and showed it to us. <gasps> like, here's the Joker cell phone. Yeah. What did it look like? It's just a regular prepaid cell phone, but the minutes all expire at the end of January. So, of course, every single day he looks at it, knowing that it's about... And it did ring during the movie, and he answered it, and it was just a bunch of coughing, and then somebody hung up. But... You know, the minutes all expire at the end of January, so any moment now, any day, the phone's going to ring. Coughing and someone hung up. That means it must be something to do with the yeah, campaign. That's totally. That's so cool. Totally. So, uh, because it's the Joker phone that they are, you know, they told you to, like, listen for details. Um, let's see. Oh, and let's see. Uh, just uh, real quickly before we do these calls, and then we'll do some other stuff. This observation from Aaron during uh, Star Trek II Wrath of Khan. Nichelle Nichols, who plays Uhuru, who is, I mean, she's like 180 now, but Aaron kept going on again, like, with more and more volume as the night went on about how much he wanted to have sex with her even now. At one point, just screaming for no readily apparent reason, Nichelle Nichols is the black Betty White! And then just sort of a, woo! And then he just sort of sunk back down in his chair again. Um... Let me do these calls, and then we'll uh, break probably. We'll come back with Steve Kastamov. I haven't, I haven't even talked about this huge disaster that befell me uh, yesterday, but I probably won't have time to do it now. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. It's hey. Timothy calling. Uh, I called from the set of Into the Wild and told you how good uh, Jennifer smelled on the management set. Uh, well, I'm currently on the Charisse Theron set for uh -huh. the movie called The Burning Flame. Okay. And um, check this out on Bike Messenger in this one. And I drive by her condo while she runs out in the nude. Wait, so, uh, wait, what movie is this? It, it's called The Burning Plane. Starting it's who? Charisse Theron, if I, am I pronouncing her name and right? And where is it filming? Well, it's an undisclosed location. It's uh, off of uh, NATO Parkway in one of the condos. 
and she runs out of her condo naked in my scene. <laughs> now, are you there now? Yeah, I'm right here now. I'm uh, uh, got my costume on, got my bicycle. Um, Who knew that a Charlize Theron film was filming here? Anybody? I got, I got called by the director. I didn't even know about it. They handpicked me for this one. So wait, wow, have you... you're pretty lucky with that. I wait, have. So, you know? so already today, have you seen Charlize Theron nude? Well, we just got out of uh, makeup and costuming, so they're just getting all the extras on set. They just shuttled us over here. So um, while your show's in progress, I will be shooting, and I will call back if anything exciting happens. All right, please do it. You have to call back and give us a complete, you know, detailed uh, description, sir. All right, God bless. You're doing the Lord's work. Thank you. <laughs> have a good day, guys. All right, thank you. All right, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, I screened that movie, uh, The Invaders, with Bacula and Tim Riley. Yes. No, no, no. It's with Tim Riley also featuring Scott Bakula. <laughs> You're right. Well, I thought for the longest time I had the wrong edition, but then right towards about the middle of the film, up shows comes the aliens. It was amazing. I wanted to ask Tim, though, which alien he was. Cause this... I, I am the lead alien. As a matter of now, fact, we're going to post that in a couple of days. Yeah, the... were, you, were you the alien in the bus? Yes, I was the alien right behind oh, Scott my... Bakula. God, it was that a was the best the man, in the, the alien in the bus, he started looking nervous like he was peeing in his pants, and he kept, like, moving around because Scott Bakula's young son was in there. Yeah. So, oh. Yeah. We're going to post mean, that, that very was, soon. That was a brilliant performance, Tim. Why, thank you. Thank you, sir. I, I was robbed at the Oscars that year. <laughs> <laughs> but you, did, you weren't in the credits. No, they didn't put us... You know what? It looks like they threw those credits together at the I last minute. Now, even if you're not in the film, don't they have to put you in the credits? No. no. I, it was weird. Those credits were very strange. They didn't list everyone on there. No. That, that movie was thrown together at the last wow. minute. Scott Bakula is my sworn enemy, then, Anyway, sir. we're going to post that clip in a couple of days, but right. uh, we got the other movie up. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank if, you. if you go to Riley Live... Is it Riley Live? Yeah. If Riley. you go to Riley Live, you can see Tim's clip from Firestorm, by the way, where he plays... That was a sort of man performance. <laughs> sort of Crispin Glover, goth-looking alien who was killed by Paul Williams. Phantom of the Paradise is Paul Williams. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's uh, up? Uh, last year, when you did the Snakes on a Plane uh, promotion, yeah, got into the theater a little early and sat down. And then Scott walked in and taped off a big block around me. Yes. So I was right in the middle there. And uh, Aaron came in, as you know, having been drinking from a flask. This is at Snakes on a Plane? Hours. Yep. Yeah, no, Aaron was already hosed by the oh, time I that movie started. That yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, the entire movie, about every 10, 12 seconds, he just shot something like, Snacks on a plane. Yeah, no, it was. Um, I wish that we had been taping the audience reaction for that. Were you at? Uh, were you at Wrath of Concert? I was not. I was working this week. Oh, uh, sadly, you missed out. It was another stellar Aaron Duran audience member performance. Another thing. Yes. Uh, his wife or Scott Daly's wife stole one of my hats. And uh, snakes on a plane. Yeah, they were throwing hats out into the audience. Yeah. I grabbed one. And then kind of put it down low like I didn't have one. Uh-huh. And, uh... Wait, let me understand this. I want a hat. Are you really calling a year later to complain that a promotional item for snakes on a plane was stolen by somebody else's wife? Oh, sort of. All right. Well, I hope that works out for you. Bye now. All right. Uh, Jesus, it's 1130 already. Where does the time go on this stupid show? Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. Mulholland Drive. It's not Mulholland Falls? No, it's Mulholland that? Drive, and it was David Lynch. That's What's the other one, Lynch. then? Then what is the other one? Because there's a Mulholland Drive and a Mulholland Falls. 
I don't know, dude, but Mulholland Drive made absolutely no sense. And if I ever run into that bastard, I'm going to shove him in the trunk of my car and pelt him with dead squirrels. I swear to God. And just for good measure, I'm going to throw in midgets in the middle of the movie. All right. It makes absolutely no sense. Okay. There's only one comment that makes sense for this for this discussion. For this, There's, there's only one way yes. to sign off of this call. Yes. All right. Thanks. This show is already a surreal experience. I think that everybody is in a weird mood Mulholland today. Mulholland Drive has the hottest actor I've ever seen ever, Justin Theroux. Has the hottest lesbian scene that's ever been put on film, I will tell you that. And yes. and there's the other just single girl scene. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that, yeah. too. That isn't so sexy, though. She's kind of crazy in well, there. Well, okay. Uh, hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, hello, hi. That's... Last call, that guy needs to uh, refill his uh, prescription. No, I think back. Tim is correct. I think there's something in the air today. I think there's some I, sort of free-form cr- crazy cloud voting, uh, floating Monday. around out there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. It's They're enough relaxed. to make Hillary cry. Yeah. How can I so there... Well, they're, uh, they're they're filming that movie outside my condo. And, uh, now, which so, which which condo is this? It's a, it's on this it's on an undisclosed location. Oh, please, it's don't at be seven thirty seven thirty Northwest Park. I was uh, going to say, don't Yeah. Is that way? Hold on, 730 North. Is that where Bruce used to live? Um, possibly. I'm not. Parkway. Hold on. NATO Parkway's right out front. That's that's front. Front and NATO are the same thing. Wait, 730 yeah. Northwest. That's like right down there. Yeah, that's across yeah, the it's, street it's from really, us. Yeah, it's, it's really, really close. All right. But, Somebody uh, should they, be over there, yes? Tim should totally go and investigate. Tim, put on your alien garb and go over there and see if you can get <laughs> some sort of a cameo. But what, every morning, every, it's, it's completely barricaded, and that every morning they kick us. We have to leave by 7 o'clock in the morning. Right. Like, everybody has to go out. But you live there. Yes. How can they kick you out of your... You live there. How can they make that, you leave? Because they barricade everything, and while filming's going on... Oh, I see. So if you don't leave, leave, you won't get out. Exactly. All right. And so, like, my 8 o'clock job, I get there nice and early now. Have, like, you, uh, but, have you been able to see Charlize Theron, sir? I, I have not seen her, uh, her naked, no. Okay, we're going to uh, begin stalking her today. I'll help you. As of now. I'll let you know. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks, you guys. All right, bye now. Okay, so that's past, uh, let's see, that's past Burnside. You cross Burnside to get into the north. That's actually, it's right past the Steel Bridge. Okay. Yeah. So right. right next to, between the Steel Bridge and the Union Station. So apparently that's where they're filming some new Charlie's Theron film where she's naked a lot. So everybody go check that out. That's where they usually find all the dead bodies on Monday. Really? Really? Yeah, that, that area of the, where the It's a dumping was... ground? Yes, it is. Sort of a landfill for Portland's human detritus. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I have no time to get to any of this other stuff, uh, except that Davy Nipples emailed me, Sarah, and he wanted me to say to you, quote, juicy ears. I don't know why. He said, please say that to Sarah. Maybe there's some backstory there that I'm not privy to. Uh, really is. All right, we'll take a break here. We'll come back with CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, later on the new news hour, Lisa Desjardins, Peter Carlin, Jim Roop, and uh, Tim Riley, all that. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. No? <laughs> You know, uh, Aaron was using those on New Year's Day. My headphones? Yes. I locked them up. Oh, no, I must not have. Oh, I don't care if Aaron used them. I'm just saying. 
I would never. Did you leave those in the studio? Accidentally. I thought oh, that. Yeah. I, I, I would never do that. Dennis's huge head inside those things? I don't think so. Not for me. <laughs> that was the best look ever. No, I'm not worried about Dennis. All right. It's 503-733-2970. No, I'm not trying to be accusatory, and I know that I'm feeling a little wacky today, but I think here's the deal. I think This is what happens. Every time you don't get enough sleep, you start to get a little paranoid, and then you project onto me, like, what's your problem, Sarah? I'm not projecting. I think I'm saying by your own admission, you're feeling a little wacky today as well. But I'm here's the deal. kilter Yeah, see, normally, though, it's just... And see, Tim is a rock. But normally... The odds are just that one of us is off kilter, but the other one is typically feeling fine. But every now and again, things line up, just, like the planets line up just right to where you and I both come in feeling a little off. And that's when it just exponent, like it magnifies itself all out of proportion. Like if you're in a bad mood and I'm fine, it sort of resolves itself. If I'm in a bad mood and you're fine, it resolves itself. If we both come in and we're feeling really, you know, whatever, then we just sit and irritate each other until we're both just, you shut up. No, you shut up. You know what it is? It's that Brittany just let us down over the weekend. Like, she left us with gold on Friday. And I then know. After this weekend, it's like... We weren't even off the air an hour when they let her out. By the time I, ch- I checked my my news at 4.30 or something, she was already... They let her out. Really? Um, no, no, no. No, I've got it backward. I'm thinking... Oh, we got to get Steve Kastamon. Um I was saying... Um, I was saying to Delara about this, though, that um, it's that the judge's order, which was supposed to come out today, that's what came out at, like, 4.00. Because the judge was supposed to release the order today about the, whatever decision he was going to make with custody. And they said they were going to hold it. And then they didn't. And like 4 o'clock on Friday, they had already said, and we are giving total and complete custody, custody to, to Kevin. And then she was out those Saturday night, I think. Oh. I think it was Saturday. My wife had a whole lot of my because, you know, my wife works in a psych ward. And I guess everybody was talking about it. it was Everybody was talking about Brittany and Dr. Phil and Cedar sinai and a whole. So we'll get to all that. We have lots to talk about with Brittany Spears later. Let's welcome down to the Rick Emerson Show a man who's undoubtedly in a fine mood, executing everything he does flawlessly, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, how are you? Uh, I've had almost no sleep, and I had kind of a stressful day yesterday. Uh, and so I'm taking it out on Sarah, who was feeling a little off-kilter already, and who now is even more so because I keep nagging her about being a little off-kilter. <laughs> a stressful Sunday. Sundays aren't supposed to be Yeah, stressful. what happened on Sunday? No, I have this whole... I have this, the long and the short of it is my cell phone bit the dust, uh, oh. finally and irrevocably. It's been dying a slow death. It just, uh, you know, I, I think I just chose poorly in terms of phones. And it, it wasn't even on its last legs. It was on its last... I mean, they were just sort of stumps. And um, it was... It was uh, it was a legless phone pulling itself along uh, the road with only uh, with only its fingers, and so anyway the the phone kind of finally bit the dust and in a last ditch attempt to save my phone I did you know a master system reset where you wipe everything and you reboot it from scratch a hard boot as they say, um, and that you know wipes everything out on the memory but of course you know this is not a big problem because you know you wipe the memory and then you hook it up to your work computer and you reload all the old data and then you're back to normal so i do this master memory reset yesterday on my phone which has you know i don't know it's just hundreds and hundreds of precious you know contact information you know the phone numbers and things that i've amassed over the last couple of years i wipe the memory I go to hook it up to my computer up the office to restore the memory to put the data back on only to realize that Wait for it. This week, CBS Corporate decided to no longer support my phone. So I wiped all the memory, wiped all the data, hooked it up to computer, my computer to put the data back on. Sorry, that's not going to happen. CBS opted not to support my phone in calendar year 2008. So I essentially wiped the phone <laughs> for no reason, and now every phone number, every email address, every bit of contact info I had for anyone, gone. No, oh, you, Veri- do you have Verizon? 
Because they have the backup manager where if you have the backup assist, which comes with it, they put all of your contacts onto a website. Well, I would hope that that's the case. Are because, you Verizon? Yeah. Okay. All right. That would be nice. Yeah, because right. that happened to me before, and that saved my ass. That would be really nice. All Good right. luck. Anyway, it's just it's, so it's just been a huge pain. It's just been kind of a colossal. It's been kind of a colossal pain. Isn't it funny how you know a couple of years ago you probably didn't even have a cell phone, and now you you your life comes to an end when you lose all the information. Well, and it's just and then you, you you're facing the prospect of like going around. So uh, can, what's your you know with a legal pad going? What's your phone number? You know, <laughs> walking around to everybody you know, going, Hey, uh, are you five zero three or nine seven one? And you know, there's been a memo out about you at work. Sir, you know, a memo to, asking ladies for their phone number. A memo to every, and then you get to send, you know, like a, a mass email to everybody you have ever met. I lost your phone number, please. And then everybody emails you back. And even if everybody does give you their phone number again, then you have to wear your fingers down to stubs, entering them all by hand in the phone. And I'm not trying to make it sound like it's backbreaking day labor or something, but it is kind of tedious and irritating. Data entry so. is something that you, you have an intern for. That's, that's what interns do. I would think, see, that's what, that's what one has people for, I would think, most of the time. So... In any event, so how was your weekend, Steve Kastenbaum? Well, I was recovering from uh, the campaign trail in New Hampshire last week. That now, was fun. Now, it's odd. They, they they had you in the campaign. They had you in New Hampshire. But then now as things are actually, you know, the rubber is meeting the road, they've got you in. The, you're back in New York. Now, is this right, for the well, Bloomberg thing? Well, no. Actually, uh, you know, uh, Lisa was uh, in Iowa during the caucus, so we felt that it was uh, important to have somebody in New Hampshire so we could uh, get some reaction to what was going on in Iowa, and we knew that some of the candidates weren't even um, campaigning in Iowa so that they would be in New Hampshire. So it uh, worked out pretty well because we, we were there with uh, Giuliani, you know, the, the entire day he was there. McCain came back from Iowa early, and, and uh, we uh, did some coverage with him. And then the next day I was with Hillary Clinton as she did her first uh, and second appearances of the day right after the uh, Iowa results. So it was, it was team coverage. Excellent. Yes. Uh, um, so it, I'm reading this right here, and even as I read this out loud, it sounds crazy. Mayor Michael Bloomberg is taking part in a bipartisan summit in Oklahoma, fueling speculation he's considering a run for the presidency. Now, first of all, I wouldn't think that Oklahoma is necessarily an exciting place to unveil anything unless it's some new kind of corn processing machine. But, and B, he does realize that he should have done this about a year ago, right? Well, what's going on is uh, he was invited there along with a bunch of other uh, politicians for this summit at uh, the university in Norman, and uh, which, by the way, is my father's name. It's so funny to call a town Norman when to me it's dad. Right. But um, he was called there uh, on this uh, to, to take part in this um, conference on bipartisanship, and basically they want to put the candidates' few, uh, feet to the fire and have them commit to uh, ending bipartisanship and working with the other side and. And, uh, you know, forgetting about the special interest groups and the lobbyists in D.C. But, of course, you know, we in the media, we can't take no for an answer. And every time we've asked Bloomberg for the past two years whether he's running for president, you know, he says no, but that's not a good enough for us. So we had to ask him again today, and he said... Well, look, I'm not a candidate, number one. I am a former businessman and a mayor. So he says I am not a candidate. But now he doesn't say I'm not going to run for office. So he keeps saying I'm not a candidate. But then he explained uh, why they are there uh, in Oklahoma. I hope that all the candidates say themselves the public is tired with the partisanship and the special interests and if I'm going to get elected I've got to stand up and say what I believe, face the big issues, hold myself accountable. Wow, what a firecracker of a public speaker he is. 
He's really tired of the question all the time, I think. Well, you know, but the problem is we get everybody who is now a presidential candidate went through a phase about a year ago when they denied being a presidential candidate. Right. That's the, that's the reason why. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, here in New York, there have been reports, uh, well, for the last week or so, that his people have been quietly uh, looking around to see which political consultants are available if he were to run uh, as an independent uh, for president. But, again, he's probably not going to even seriously consider this until after the primaries are over or at least – until we have a pretty solid idea of, of who the nominees for both parties are going to be. Because Here's a question. What is the last possible date in which you can announce uh, which you can announce your candidacy for president? I have to tell you, I don't know the answer to that. That's I mean, I wonder if you could do it like September 30th. Just be like, hello, <laughs> here I am, and just come in as the, the, you know, the last-minute spoiler. I guess you could, uh, you know, you could, uh, you could announce it any time you want, but, you know, you're not going to get votes if you wait until the last minute. So we'll probably do it. You know, shortly after, uh, well, it's hard to say really. You know, will he wait till after the conventions and, and the nominees have been chosen, or will he do it sooner than that if he is really deciding to do this? But uh, then again, he's often said that, you know, he wants to remain a philanthropist and, and get his organization going uh, uh, internationally once he's uh, no longer mayor of New York City. So we'll see. Yeah, well, all right then. Uh... Hey, can I? Can I bring up a total non-sequitur? Absolutely. This is the place for such things. We love these things on your show. Uh, I was watching CNN uh, just now as I was waiting to come on with you, mm -hmm. and I realized who President Musharraf of Pakistan looks like. Wait, hold on. Wait for it. He looks like a mix between Buddy Hackett and Lou Costello. Really? If you took the mustache off, okay. he sometimes does this thing with his eyes where he looks like Buddy Hackett on The Tonight Show. I can cut. Is Buddy Hackett alive still? I don't even know. That's a really good question. I'm not sure whether Buddy Hackett is dead or not. The last thing I saw Buddy Hackett, it was in the short-lived and unjustly canceled Jay Moore series, Action. Uh, but I don't even really know. And Buddy Hackett, I never realized until this moment how much he in turn looked like Lou Costello. You're totally right about that. You know, that that was a great show. He was hilarious in yeah. that show. No, it was a fantastic show, but of course, too good for this world. Yeah, there was one line on there that's my favorite that I can't even repeat on, on radio. <laughs> that, uh, that program was full of great uh, unrepeatable lines. So, yeah. All right, well, now I'm going to have to go look at his photo now. All right. <laughs> okay. Hey, enjoy your day, my friend. Take care, guys. There you go. CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Fantastic. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Yeah, I'm a technician for your cell phone company. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got a phone that you hook up to the computer? Yeah. Yeah, is it a touchscreen? No. No, is it a PDA? Uh, well, it's a smartphone. Motorola. Yes. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. There's no backup assistant available for that device. Thanks. <laughs> listen listen to the, like, the deadpan glee, though. Data's lost. Yeah, no, that's what the guy told me. He's like, he's like oh, yes, you're host. No, and it's so great, and by great, I mean terrible. But, it's I mean, awful. even... I, though, can, I can appreciate the horrible sort of greatness of it, that I decided to do the master reset, you know, just, you know, which I've done in the past, and I do that, like, the same day that CBS sends out, like, the master, you know, whatever, the update to the system, like, where they, where they decided no longer to support my phone. There was some guy in some office at CBS IT, you know, headquarters for the whole company, who pushed a big red button that said, disconnect the Motorola. And he pressed that, and about an hour later, I turned off my phone and tried to uh, tried to reinstall it. So, so yeah, I am now going to be in the tedious business of asking every single person I know for their phone number, and then punching it in by hand. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> he was helpful as only someone from Verizon can be. Exactly. Right. Told you nothing can be done, and hangs up on you. I'm sorry, you're. Uh, I don't know. Have you uh, have you tried unplugging it and plugging it back in?
All right. Uh, my uh, and they've got the two, and this is not just them. This is every tech company. They got the two-page playbook. A, uh, have you tried rebooting or or have you tried unplugging it and plugging it back in? That doesn't work. Page two. Uh, uh, what you're going to have to do is box that up and return that to the factory. Uh, you send that to us regular mail. And you know that's how you have to get iPhones repaired. If you have a problem, God love the iPhone. There are many good things about it. You're, something goes wrong with your iPhone, you've got to pack that thing into a box and send it off to Apple. There is no... no... to the genius desk. No, 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 no. But I don't think they'll fix it, though. I don't think the folks at the genius desk... I could be wrong about this, but I don't think I am. If I mean, if you have a question about how to run an application or something, I think the genius... The genius, you know, the unmitigated gall of that company. I mean, I love Apple, but goddamn, that what it's we know you the don't genius love Apple. bar. That's what it's called. You walk into the Apple store, their help desk is the genius bar. That's they what have it's called. Hired airplanes. And there's like a huge atomic symbol above it, and a bunch of fresh scrubbed Abercrombie-looking youths standing behind the counter. Hello, welcome to the Apple Genius Bar. Can we? Can oh, we, good lord! What can we do for you? Uh, you know, some guy in brush twill uh, waiting to help you with you know whatever your your earthly problem is. No, I, I think if you have a question with an application or something, they will help you muddle through it. If something is wrong with your phone, though, you have to put it in a box and send it back to Apple. That really does seem like a pretty primitive solution for such a such an advanced company. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. I love Apple. I am now an, I am now the minority in this room because everybody else here owns not one but numerous. Tim has. Uh, do you have an iPod? I do. An iPod and some Apple computers. I, I couldn't I buy the Mac. Sarah has though. the MacBook. You know, I'll never have an iPod. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the iPod, but, it's, it's iPod, but Sarah has a, has a MacBook. And I have I a G5 at home. Yeah. I so. love my MacBook. My wife is going to buy a MacBook. It's amazing. So. I know. I still don't think I've, I still I kind of bought it like Aaron went with me to buy it so I have it and I haven't really done anything with it because I don't know what to do with the future so I'm sure I'm missing out on all kinds of fun with it because I use it for the internet. You know what? There's stuff that I just even even on my lowly Windows machine. There's crap that I discovered that it does every day that I didn't know was there and you realize you paid for a bunch. I mean, it, look, I'll tell you this: no matter how often you use your computer, no matter how much you do. Uh, you have never used about 80% of the things you paid to have on your computer. Mm-hmm. That's your, and with any piece of technology, with your TiVo, with your cell phone, with your computer, like three out of four applications or functions or tricks or tips you will never, ever use because you just don't know they're there, and there's a limit to how much time you can spend reading the operations manual every day. Yeah, I bought this thing called Apple Care, and I bought the application, but I don't know. I'm, I think I should probably put it on my computer. Is it a guarantee? What is Apple Care? It's one of these things where you can buy it. It was, like, expensive, but everyone that I knew that had an so Apple Care. your house? Yeah, well, they said to, to buy it, so it's like this box that I bought, and I haven't opened it yet, so I'm, I'm sure I should probably put it into my computer. I don't know if there's a disc in there or whatever. Here's the but problem. it's supposed to be watching your computer for two years. Sometimes, if, here's the thing, sometimes when you buy something like that, you reopen the box and you realize you're screwed, though, because there was something you had to do within, like, four days of buying it. Uh, oh, good Lord. You know, the Xbox is this way. Um, there was, you know, I'm like all... Apple wouldn't do that. Three yeah, months? Three months. I am, oh, okay. I am like all guys... Uh, that when I get a piece of equipment or I buy some new piece of technology, do I read the entire owner's manual before I set it up? No. Best three words in the English language to a guy, quick start guide. So I go to the quick start guide, which, of course, like, you know, it's just one one page. One page with, like, stick figure drawings showing, like, the guy plugging it in and the guy hitting the on button. And so I read, so for my Xbox, you know, I quick start guide, get it all set up, whatever. Weeks later, I decide, well, maybe I'll open up the rest of these uh, bits of information. I'll see what these other books have to say. <laughs> and the other books are like, send this in for your free, you know, like lifetime warranty. We'll fix anything. It must be sent within 48 hours of purchase, you know? Oh, God. <laughs> so I'm completely now screwed. Now I'm kind of panicking. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm like, oh. 
What you shouldn't do is obsess about that all during the show. I'm not going to. There's nothing I can do. Uh-huh. It's just sitting at my in my apartment. Steve Katzenbaum just sent me a, uh, okay, here we go. Wow. I don't know. Um, so Steve Kastenbaum, uh just sent me a picture of Buddy Hackett and a president of uh, a photo of President Musharraf. Can I just tell you this? That the Buddy Hackett photo of Steve Kastenbaum came from a website called JewOfTheDay.com. Ooh. <laughs> no, Steve can do that though. See, I couldn't do that, but Steve can. Okay, there's Buddy Hackett. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Well done, Steve Kastenbaum. Um. Oh, by the way, speaking of people who instantly send you um, emails about things, I, uh, you know, I often, I have this sort of uh, just like Catholic guilt about the fact that I don't get as much of my email answered as I would like. You know, and like everybody in 2008, I got nine different places. I got the corporate email, the public email, you know, my friends and relatives email. I got like, two different MySpace accounts. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Uh, and so it's out of control. And so I always lament the fact that I don't get, as many of my messages answered um, as I would like. I have yet another reason, and then we have to take a break, and we'll come back with uh, Tim Riley and your phone calls and hey, hey, and the whatnot. I have yet another reason to feel guilty about that. My wife on Friday night, my wife's going to be going to Panama uh, in January, and she's going to be uh, she's going to be out of the country for a couple of weeks. And she had this question. Uh, the question is unimportant, but she had this question about traveling and da 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 da. And I jokingly suggested, I said, you ought to email Henry Rollins about that. And because we just saw Henry speak a few weeks ago, and of course, the, one of the defining traits in Henry Rollins' life that he travels constantly. And in fact, this the show he just did at the Aladdin was all about traveling the world and just going to countries that you know you would never really think of to go to. Like he went to he went to Iran, he went to Beirut, and so Henry Rollins is a huge world traveler, writes and blogs about it extensively. So she had this question about traveling the country, traveling the world, and I said, well, you ought to just email Henry Rollins about that. And she said, okay, I will. So she sits down. It was a Friday night. She sits down at the computer. She composes a letter to Henry Rollins. She says, Dear Henry, I have a question about traveling the world. I know you travel a lot. Can you answer this question? Da -da -da -da. She writes the question. Saw you at the Aladdin. You know, you're great. You know, Lara sends it off. I swear to you, 12 minutes later, she got an email reply from Henry Rollins. Oh, that is... With not an auto reply either. Because he said, Hey, Lara, thanks for checking out the show at the Aladdin. Here's the answer to your question. And he specifically addressed a couple of the things that she had brought up. And then he's like, enjoy your trip, Hank. You know, <laughs> whatever, done. Uh -huh. So there you go. So what did I immediately do is I immediately went in and answered email for 90 minutes straight to assuage some of my Rollins-induced Catholic guilt. Jesus. It's noon already. How is oh. it that it... Does it seem like we've been here for an eternity, and yet does it seem like we just got here? Yes and no. I think there's... I think we're on the same level because I absolutely agree. So you must be kind of crazy today. All right. I'm not crazy. You're crazy. Institutionalized. It's a little uh, suicidal tendencies reference there. Just a Pepsi. Hello. Back after this. Emerson Radio Program, 503-733-2970. Uh, here's what's coming up later on, CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins in New Hampshire. Shah? New Hampshire? New Hampshire. New Hampshire. 
Jim Roop, Peter Carlin, the top five, all of that, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior, Tim Riley. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Take cars, live on the ice, and crash into a huge pickup truck. Actually, a huge pileup, it says here. During the morning commute in Salem this morning, six people taken to hospitals in serious condition after this multi-car crash at I-5 and Portland Road Northeast. One of the victims had life-threatening injuries. Portland Road Northeast was closed at the scene and will likely remain that way throughout the day. Cars and trucks were sliding off the roads elsewhere, too. Uh, we were lucky around here. A lot of uh, light snow fell in Portland's higher elevations where all the rich people live. And more can fall tonight before changing to rain. Uh, let's see. So Monday night, uh, city snow will uh, possibly fall at 1,000 feet. It's predicted it will change to rain after midnight and the rest of the week. It's going to warm up. I feel like we ought to have a separate news service for people who live in the West Hills because their weather is always different. Their traffic is always different. And they have one set of news stories, and we, the commoners down here, have yet another. But, you know, if you live in one of those houses, why leave? <laughs> and for what reason? Where do you have to go? I suppose that's true. And you always say, what do these people do for a living? I don't. There, there are acres and acres of these multi-million dollar houses. Well, some of them, uh, oh, never mind. I was going to make a cruel statement. Never no, mind. go ahead. No, no. No, please do. No, no, I shouldn't. I was going to say. a little envy there? Gonna, no, no. No, Mr. No. Riley. I was going to say that some of them ill-advisedly choose to purchase those houses uh, because they believe that their radio program is destined to be um, a smashing success. Oh, oh, I remember that. that. You know what I'm talking about. Speaking of that, I, I, apparently th there is a uh, uh, something online about that program, and people are signing a petition to bring it back to Florida, mm. and so far 15 people have signed it. <laughs> I don't wish to be cruel, so I will. Not, we won't name that program. Some of the savvier members of the audience may know who we're referring to. Mm. But there was a program that was on in Portland for about five months, mm. uh, like eight years ago. Oh, I had to work through it. Yeah, and, and uh, it was it was like coming to work in a morgue. <laughs> and uh, and the the person who hosted that program immediately bought the first thing they did was to buy a massive house in the West Hills thinking that fame and fortune was just around the corner, which, to be fair, they probably had been told by the person who was uh, running that program. And then um, all the local advertisers canceled. Yes. And then the show was canceled, and yet the house payments somehow <laughs> remained. And now the salespeople were willing to sell it. No. And so now that person is off the air in Florida, where 15 people have signed a petition to get them back on the air. It's important to have something that is saleable. I yes. Yes. To the general public. Yeah, it's true. And it helps if your program, but 90% of it doesn't consist of a nude man greasing himself up and then engaging in any number of acts with inanimate objects in the mm -hmm. studio. Just a little FYI. Right. Here's Tim Riley. I mean, the world isn't a high school frat house. No? No, it's not. Let's talk a little bit about Internet pedophiles. Wait. Damn it. Uh, internet what, Tim? Pedophiles. I've had worse press than a pedophile. All right. Uh, sexual predators who troll the Internet for their victims may run into some roadblocks in the new year thanks to new laws here in Oregon designed to make it easy for police and district attorneys to catch and prosecute them. For the first time, Internet pedophiles can be arrested and convicted of the crime of luring their eventual victims. The crime of online sexual corruption, this is created by House Bill 3515, is punishable with up to 10 years in prison. A $250,000 fine requires those convicted to register as sex offenders. It targets these pedophiles for luring their victims with sexually explicit material. It was approved by, by all except for two members of the House and one of the Senate. 
So there. The uh, current law requires police and prosecutors to go after predators only when their actions advance to the stages of attempted sexual abuse. Uh, we no longer wait until abuse occurs, so they go after them now. So right. pedophiles beware. Pedophiles beware. Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. Hello, hello. Thank you very much. We we live here in India, and we wait Man, to help on, you. Hold on a second. Is the entire call going to be done in this voice? Well, I hope so. This is my voice. It sounds like a Canadian lumberjack. Is this a real voice, or is this a fake voice? Uh, is this accent so. fabricated for the purposes of comedy? I hope so. Anyway, I understand, and I have I have called and waited very very long time now to to let you know that there are. Oh, are... sorry, we're losing your call. What happened? Sorry, no, damn it! Oh, I'm, no. God, tricky phone. Oh, there'll be no there'll be no jokes about French Canadians on no, this program. No, not gonna happen. We only have a few rules in this program. One of the paramount guidelines that we operate is there are no funny voices, no pedophiles, <laughs> and no no pedophiles with funny voices. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, am I to understand that Tim Riley has or has not seen uh, No Country for Old Men? Have not. But you have the screener for it. I'm getting it in the mail. And see, this is not unlike uh, some of the more scofflaw-oriented factions here at CBS, people who obtain films illegally over the Internet. Uh, Tim is actually given these films because he is a voting member of the Screen Actors Guild. That's correct. Just like Peter Carlin gets the first four episodes of The Wire, which he then taunts me with. Great to know. Hey, listen, I just wanted to weigh in without giving anything away in the film that, in my opinion, the robot that, that the um, that is the finest bad guy of any film ever made. Many and people it, have said that that he's a fantastic villain, one of the best ever. Oh my gosh! Well, it's just the vibe and the rhythm of which he delivers his role. I mean, that from the first time that you actually make solid contact with, I mean, solid visual of him, you're hoping, I mean, the first thing that crossed my mind was, oh, my God, I hope I don't have to see that guy anymore in the film. And But the, here's the deal, and I think this is what sells it, is that <clears throat> there's something about that guy, there's a few things about that guy that I think all of us, all of us at one time or another, wish we had that kind of makeup. And aside from the bad guy, the movie in and of itself has a fantastic dialogue, and it's delivered uh, really well as well. So there I you go, Tim. Uh, so you don't even need to watch it. Just vote for it without seeing it. All right, I will. Excellent. All Thank right. you. Thank you. I regret nothing. All right. Here's Tim Riley. And we have before us the final WMUR Manchester, New Hampshire poll, which shows Barack Obama has moved into a significant <sighs> lead over Hillary Clinton. It is Barack, 39%. Hillary, 29 How is that? Never mind. Never mind. I didn't make this up. No, on the Republican side, John McCain has a six-point lead over Mitt Romney, who really needs to have his hair messed up. Where is it? Oh, fall in the snow. Wait, hold on. What are you... I'm talking about Mitt, Mitt Are Romney. you speaking in code? No. It's not like when you say, that guy needs to be taken for a walk. Vinny? No, I'm serious. Take no. him for a ride. He needs to get a little dirty. You mean he just looks too... Well, he looks like some sort of evil Ken doll. He looks like some sort of, you know, Mormon mannequin. Uh, he's mean. Uh, he really, and it can't mask the fact. I mean, he's Hillary mean. And that, he, and that he will just say anything to get elected, which I do. I think people. This is what I always mean when I say the camera doesn't lie. I think people can look at that guy and just tell he's a shyster. So, um, so where is Huckabee though? Huckabee is number one. No. <laughs> uh, let's see. He has. Uh, oh, he has climbed slightly to fourteen percent. Well, who is number one? John McCain is polling at number one in New Hampshire. 
John McCain is polling at number one, New Hampshire well, see, on the Republican side. That's how Overall, you, it, it's Obama. That's how you know these things that don't mean anything, though. The well, idea that uh, you know that they would say the idea that McCain is going to win anything. There is clearly no Republican front in her nationwide. No. No. So the Republicans aren't going to get elected anyway. No, probably not. It is interesting how how fast they just moved to christen Obama as the heir apparent, though. Yeah. I mean, it's like the hand of God just came down and just put a halo on All his head. All someone has to do is mention the word Kennedy. Yeah. No, that's a, you're you know you're totally right about that. And that's not just your typical East Coast snobbery uh, showing through, Tim. You are actually correct about that. That if they go, and, and even even more so than Edwards, who actually was lifting lines from Kennedy's speeches uh, last Thursday in Iowa. But Obama is a charming, a charming, fe- charming fellow. He's a is charming he? fellow. Uh, no, he actually, and uh, there's no way to say this without there, there sounding are, like there are pudgy white people <laughs> lining up in the cold in the snow to see him speak. I was just going to say there's there's no way to say this without it coming off like a sort of white state Joe Biden going to see a black man type. But but it really is true that he is uh, he is an exceptional speaker though he does have a lot of what they call gravitas. Um, he does Very have relaxed, which he didn't have last year. No, he's grown into this. No, it really is. You know, it's like anything else. If you want more muscle, you pick up a bigger weight. And I think the fact that he's been out of the stump for a solid year, he has become a much better speaker, uh, or, or at least whatever stage fright or, you know, fear of... of not fear, but I mean, you know, if we, you know, you put yourself well, out there on the, the wooden side. Well, and you put yourself out there in the public forum running for president. I mean, that's enough stress to sort of sap anybody's, uh, you know, you know, joie de vivre. Um, but he really has whatever little hitches he had as a public speaker have gone away. He really is pretty commanding. Uh, like when he talked last week after Iowa. And he has, uh, you know, he does have that sort of hope for a better tomorrow kind of thing. Did you see, though, what he said about the about the Clinton campaign this morning? Man, he just put the boot in. Somebody, and I don't know who, I really don't know who Barack Obama's campaign manager is. Um, well, he who, doesn't have any of the Democratic heavyweights because they're all on Hillary they're side, like, Hillary. like the Carvel and, and, the, and Paul Begala yeah, and all, all the, those guys. All those losers who, who can't seem to win an election <laughs> are working for Hillary. Who, what, now, what is the outcome of this going to be? Whoever it is that's sort of whispering in Barack's ear, maybe he himself came up with this, he really knew how to put the, the knife in just fine style uh, this morning. He was interviewed on ABC this morning, and they asked him what he thought you know, they they brought up the issue of Hillary Clinton. And he actually said, and he said it with this sort of great dismissive wave of the hand, politician style, just a masterful line. He said, he said, well, frankly, I have to tell you that I find the uh, the Clinton campaign just to be a little depressing these days. <laughs> and he said that, and he was like, right there, just a kick to the solar plexus. I mean, it is astounding how quickly they have just put Hillary in the grave. I mean, remember, like... Well, well, here's what happened. A week ago, she was the heir apparent. First of all, all the po- all the pollsters were wrong. All these people who make zillions of dollars, who all these commentators, who all these networks, were dead wrong all along. So now they're they're trying to pull themselves together and try to figure out what's happening. It's, it's and, a- and then we have Drudge putting out this stuff, which nobody else can seem to verify. It says here, face, this is from Drudge, mind you, so take it as it is. Uh, facing a double-digit defeat in New Hampshire, a sudden collapse in national polls, and an expected fundraising drought, Senator Hillary Clinton is preparing for a tough decision. Does she get out of the race, and when? Well, I mean, the conventional wisdom is that if she finishes third in New Hampshire, that she's, she's host. Mm-hmm. She's toast. And even finishing second is going to be a little... I mean, but I, I don't see how she can finish any better than second right now. Because the press has just instructed the entire country that that Obama's the guy. I mean, right or wrong. And keep in mind, I have no I have no horse in this race, no dog in this fight. Um, 
I only root. I was. You know, I. I guess I had this long. This long series of back-and-forth emails with Chris Neathan this weekend because he's sort of a fellow political junkie. He does a, a blog called On the Vig. That's with a V, onthevig.com. And he's a Barack guy and has been for a long time. He's been in Obama's corner forever. And he and I are sort of flip sides of the same coin. He wants Obama because he wants to see the country sort of shaken up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and to see the sort of veil of pessimism thrown off of the American back. But I am for Hillary for exactly the same reason, because I just want to see things effed up. I just want to see a huge civil war this fall. And a Hillary nomination would guarantee that. So it would guarantee partisan strife, the likes of which we've never seen. So for completely different reasons, he and I are endorsing uh, you know, different candidates. But it's sort of the flip sides of the same coin. But it's, I mean, it is weird, man. A week ago it was Hillary, and now everybody just sort of assumes that she's toast. Uh, so the only question... Well, remember, remember the same uh, Democratic thing in the last election where they had that Democratic forerunner who just screamed, and that was the end of it. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> had christened him the next president. He was supposed to be the next president, too, if you remember. That is true. And we thought that was going to be the case and I guess until it's... that one remark. <laughs> yep, that was, that's the remark that ended it all. And the guy you know, that they always say is going to be the candidate never is the candidate. I mean, you thought oh. we would quit being surprised by this. Do you remember when Pat Buchanan was going to be the Republican nominee because oh, yeah. he beat Bush so badly in, I think, South Carolina? Um, it, not unlike uh, Pat Robertson, who won in, in Washington mm-hmm. uh, in 1980. So those guys, you know, they, they never they never end up being the actual candidate. But um, anyway, so, well, so there you go. So that's tomorrow that that all uh, that that all. And we'll have extended coverage in the afternoon if you're going home. Yes, we will. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. What's Sarah, up? Tim, Happy New Year. Hello. Oh, is this George? Yeah. Happy Wait, New hold Year. on a second. I uh, wasn't prepared for you. One big fiesta for illegal aliens and homosexuals. Hello, sir. Good to hear that sound. Yeah. Hey, um, I just want to say about Apple Care. I have a great story. I really recommend it for everybody because in the uh, 34th month of our 36-month uh, contract with Apple Care, my computer just was going into the shop so many times. They just they ended up just sending me a brand new one from App from Apple. Free postage, everything. You know, oh, that's awesome. Gloated like only an Apple user can gloat. <laughs> I don't see pay. why they don't advertise on this program. I know. I mean, a month to go or two, a month or two Where's in our the sales department. Yeah. They're so just anything, fantastic. So, George, you got it. It's just a box, right? Right, it's, right. And you've got a year to sign up with that afterwards, and they'll cover you for two more years after the after your normal one year warranty. Okay, so just it has a disc in there, and I just put the disc into yeah. the computer, and they'll just walk you right through it. And and believe me, if you ever have any problems, just. Um, just go there and persist. And uh, I, the first person I got on an Apple Care, her name was, uh, oh, I don't know. Ashley? No, yeah, it was an E. It was you a... can almost remember the names of the people who have helped yeah. you. Yeah. have got to convert. Yeah. And they were just, she wasn't quite uh, with it, but the next person was, and they just said, hey, you know what? Sounds like you need a new computer. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and a back rub. <laughs> exactly. Would you like a chai latte while you're waiting for your free exactly. computer like to arrive? Massage. I was just going to say, would you like some sandalwood to be put in the air around yeah. you while you... Would you like a, a Japanese relaxation pond yeah. installed in your living room, too? Can we send you a prepaid uh, form so we can, so you can ship Jesus. your own computer? But we won't wait for your old computer to get to us. It We're really, going to expedite it right now. I see, but it, it, it really does seem like I have to remain the loyal opposition at this point. Like, I have to remain a PC user Come just on, to sort of keep a the, balance of power. Anti- iPod, you can't be answering. This is the futile. Hey, by the way, yeah. uh, Dennis Miller is wrong. Humans do have a blowhole, and its name is Dennis Miller. I saw that joke coming. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye now. Oh, wait. and when you trade in your your old Apple, and they tell you they're going to give you so much for it, they do. Not a, not a cent less. I think we have a little breaking news here. Hold on. Uh-oh. Do, you, do you guys get a little thrill whenever I say that? Yes. All right. Hold on. We're going to go to the phone. I think we do have some breaking news. Hold on. Uh, 
Our good friend Dante, the cab driver. Hello, sir. Breaking news. Hello, Rick Emerson. Yes, the Burnside Bridge is closed down. Why? But not, but not for the reason that you're thinking. Apparently, the Portland police have shut it down because there is a jumper. Yeah. Oh. Oh, wait, have they jumped or are they just threatening to jump? There's a, they're, they're threatening to jump. I mean, if they were, they'd already jumped, then what would be the point of closing the bridge? Well, so the police could sit and stare for a while. Is there, I guess the Burnside Bridge is high enough. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, you might have to jump two or three times, but you could kill yourself. Yeah, I mean, if we could get somebody down there, you know, if we could get somebody down there and give this guy some binoculars to see Shirley Theron run around naked, then he might. Then you'd have something to live for. All right, so where the the Burnside Bridge, and I mean, is it in the middle of the bridge? I mean, it's in the middle of the bridge. They've got the bridge shut down both directions. So there's probably no way to 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 sort of get up close and see what's going on. Uh, Not unless you got a boat. Uh, so if anybody has a boat, and we do know from past experiences that we do have some listeners who are out on the on the water. So this is apparently, and this is a, now, did you, how did you learn this? Did you see it? How do you know this? Uh, this comes over the uh, the uh, mobile data terminal from my uh, my cab company. All right. So uh, according to the cab folks who are in a position to know these things, apparently the Burnside Bridge is closed because someone, man or woman, sir? Uh, doesn't say. Uh, because uh-huh. someone is in the middle of the Burnside Bridge threatening to jump. Yeah, but generally speaking, these jumpers are, are dudes. They do turn out to be dudes. Just, uh, See, I would have thought it would be the other way. I thought jumpers were typically women because it is. it, it, it does yeah, seem no. more of like a cry for help kind of thing because they never typically do it. Well, no. those are the, Actually, the women are more more apt to be successful at suicide than they use uh, the poison. That's a strange phrase, that is. Um, uh, the, uh, so, uh, all right. Okay, so we'll let us know if anything sort of happens there. Um but uh, for okay. now, yeah, a jumper on the burn side. Where are you at? Did you see this, or did you just hear it over the radio? I'm just catching it over the uh, over the data terminal. All right, thank you, sir. Please keep us appraised. Thank you for the update, my friend. All right, there you go. So that just in a uh, purported jumper on the Burnside Bridge, which, um, I mean, was it running? Was the bridge open today? Well, yes, it was. Have, must have been for somebody. They only closed it during the weekend. So, all right. Well, thanks so much for screwing up the traffic for everybody again. Why is it always the Burnside Bridge? That idiot woman with the gun was at the Burnside Bridge. Yeah. Why don't they rotate bridges? It's always the same bridge for these people. All right. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, what's up, Rick? What's up? Hey, I was on that show that was the worst one ever. <laughs> Wait. Oh, the radio program we were speaking about earlier? Oh, uh, yes, sir. The uh, unnamed... And I don't remember any orifice sticking. Well, I have to tell you, the, the amount of time that I actually listen to that show can be tracked in, in terms of minutes. Well, uh, I just wanted to say thank you because my opportunity was brought by you, and then I had a part in bringing you back on the air. Excellent. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right. I just, I just want to say I love you guys. Thank you, my friend. But There you go. Excellent. Here's Tim Riley. So once again, it's time for Hillary to show her softer side. Some of us are ready, and some of us are not. Some of us know what we will do on day one, and some of us haven't really thought that through a enough. Time's a reap. And so when we look at the array of problems we have and the potential for it getting really spinning out of control. This is one of the most important elections America's ever faced. So, as tired as I am... Think of dead puppies. And I am. And as difficult it is to kind of keep up what I try to do on the road, like... She's doing a crucifix around her neck, by the way. Is she? Right. It's tough when... A crucifix or a cross? It looks like a cross. It's hard to get I just believe so strongly in who we are I thought they were... I thought they were Baptists. I didn't think Baptists had crucifixes. Make my case and... You know, then the voters get to decide. Thank you, all. Oh, oh, that's so sad. She does not realize that her greatest asset is being a ball buster. 
I mean, Margaret Thatcher never cried. There's no crying in politics. Paul Cavallo is advising, and you know how successful he's been. Well, you know, and you can tell that they're trying to modulate her stridency, uh, because what they've done there, there used to be this old radio uh, thing, and Tim probably did this, where you would uh, pop down, you know, you turn the microphone way down, and then you just scream, or scream into it. Mm -hmm. Like if you were a top 40 jock, you would turn the microphone way down, and then you would yell everything like this at another nonstop music jam. Uh, and then if you were doing sort of adult contemporary or quiet storm radio, you would turn... Um, what was that? The strangest noises come out of your computer, Tim. <laughs> I know. I was on the uh, the local six okay. website. Uh, but then if you were like doing quiet storm radio, you would turn the microphone way up, and then you'd talk like this while introducing something by Roberta Flack going out from uh, Tito to Sandy. And that's how you do what they've done with Hillary, because they must have read some folk. They must have had some sort of research indicating her voice was like having uh, ten penny nails driven into your ears. And so they've had her do that thing where they turn the mic way up and then she just talks like this. But but looking weak has never gotten anybody elected president. That's exactly what that looked like right there. And who told her it was a good idea to try to cry? Oh, but let me just tell you this. Uh, can I just tell you, and I don't think I'll be able to make the comparison right here because I don't think I have the audio handy, but I heard, do we have any sound from the uh, the New Hampshire debate, Tim, from Hillary at the debate? I don't. I have Fred Thompson, though. Uh, <laughs> that's not really going to work, but um, let's see here. Um, uh, play Fred Thompson while waiting. He said the rules of the Civil War don't apply to the war on terror. Uh-huh. Oh, my pot's down, I think. Let's try it again. Here we go. This is a different world. So instead of mutual assured destruction, which we lived under for a long time, yeah, sure, it's sure. now a world where preemption has got to be an option under the right circumstances. Yes, the world wants a wrinkle-faced old white man as president. <laughs> of course. Of course. More than anything. Oh, I do have something from Hillary when she's asked uh, what she's done about Senator Obama about being more likable than herself. Excellent. Some about? people think elections are a game. They think oh, it's like, who's God. Stop. It's about our country. It's about our kids' futures. Oh, it's really about Hillary. all of us together. You know, some of us put ourselves out there and do this against some pretty difficult odds. And we do it, each one of us, because we care about our country. This is what she shouldn't be doing. It's like we were like, women are too emotional. If only, seriously, that's exactly what you're going to hear, too. Yeah, it's like she can't can't control her emotions. Especially because it's not real. Like, you can tell that she's faking it. (laughs) You can tell that Hillary is a guy. Hillary has just a huge pair of brass ones. You can tell that. She's Margaret Thatcher. Exactly. And here she is playing it on. Sarah's totally right. And she's acting like she's going to well up. Jesus. Uh, Okay, I don't have it. I don't have this audio. And I, I... I heard it while I was driving around this weekend, and I meant to to prepare it for here. Um, So if you know the movie Misery, you'll just have to sort of play this along in your head. But there was some audio of Hillary Clinton at the campaign, or at the debate uh, in New Hampshire, where she was talking about health care or something or other, and she was, like, trying trying to lay into Obama. And she was talking in that strident voice like this, where she was inflecting everything. And it was sort of like being bludgeoned in the head. But you know who she sounds like when she is like sort of strident, scrapey Hillary? She sounds, God, I wish I had this audio. She sounds exactly like Annie Wilkes in Misery when she's talking to Paul about uh, the chapter plays. And she goes, Hi. but I wasn't applauding, not me. I said, have you all got amnesia? He didn't get out of the cock-a-doody car. She, Hillary sounds exactly like that. 
I encourage anybody out there, if you've got Misery on DVD, cue it up to where Annie Wilkes is doing her whole rant about the serial film and the Master Avenger or whatever his name is, not getting out of the cock-a-duty car. It's exactly what Hillary sounded like in the New Hampshire debate. It was uncanny. I mean, it was like a Pepsi challenge similarity. Anywho, here's Tim Riley. Well, here's Obama. We felt it last Thursday in Iowa when the American people stood up and said, it's time for a new beginning. <sighs> All right. So that's that. Well, there you go. So he's uh, the presumptive nominee unless uh, something, unless he trips up in some spectacular fashion at this point. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Just all kinds of... The Hillary thing just makes me sad. Uh, all right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Let's do the uh, Brittany one. All right. Oh. Really? Yeah. Well, unless you want to waste. Why don't we, why don't we break first? And then do the Brittany Yeah, because it's going to be immense, because i got so much to say about this. Uh, so I we'll... a lot uh, of stuff here. Oh, no. The, dude, I have right here... Just this one story I pulled about Britney from the News of the World is four pages long. Oh, I've got that. Do you? It's the complete... Like something out of the exorcist. Totally. Okay. And it's the complete list of substances that she had ingested before the cops went to the house. Oh, no. They said she was clean. Uh-huh. Uh, whatever you say. All right. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Stay there. from Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Now, you have... I have four pages here from News of the World. So I will start this. All right. I say that the News of the World says Britney's stay at Los Angeles Cedars-Sinai Hospital was something from the exorcist. They claim that when Britney awoke in the hospital, she began screaming that she wanted to die. She was trying to kill herself. Yeah, see, you haven't followed no, any of No, I haven't. No, I'm, the Internet and I weren't friends this weekend, so... Yeah. It's so crazy. That, that cues you oh, with your part of the right. story. Well, uh, yeah, I don't even know where to begin here. So she um, wakes up. Okay, so the, uh, well, I'll, I'll back up a little bit here. This, the news of the world, and I love the British uh, newspapers because... Not the, to be confused with our news of the world. No. It's a different newspaper. No, this is the British, this is the UK news of the world. Uh, the, the lead sentence is fantastic here. A panicked call from Britney Spears' husband sparked her stand-up with police because he feared she would... Shoot dead their two sons. <gasps> now, you, well, he, he made the, the the very wise decision to give her a gun as a gift. <laughs> she has multiple guns at the house, one oh, of which yes. was given to her by Kevin. Hey, what a great move. We're, I'm glad we're all married and whatnot. Have a gun. And so Britney Spears apparently owns well, numerous she, she, handguns. She's country, you know. Of, of course. Well, she's... 
Wait, so that's partially whole, true. Please, please to be saying that whole sentence again. I must hear it for the first time again. A panicked call from Britney Spears' husband sparked her standoff with cops because he feared she would shoot dead their two sons. We can reveal now, says the News of the World, that Kevin Federline feared his ex would use the Beretta pistol he bought her as a birthday gift to murder their two sons. Oh, my God. It was his desperate call for help that started the dramatic three-hour siege of her Hollywood home. I thought it was the... But they said it was the personal assistant. No. No. The News of the World can reveal that Kevin Federline uh, panicked after realizing that she kept a handgun, a Beretta 92FS, in the master bedroom where she was holding the kids. Uh, he then calls the authorities. Let's see. Um, the News of the World says, We can also reveal that although she is not high on illegal drugs, which is what that booze and alcohol or what the booze and drugs screen would show. Well, was saying Adderall, right? Yeah. Well, and see, they, Billy Heroin. And they say that she was not, she didn't have any illegal drugs in her system, but they didn't reveal legal drugs because we know she's on Adderall and ProVigil. So, let's see. So we've got here. Hillbilly heroin, a slang term with the prescription painkiller Oxycontin. Um, let's see. Uh, two bottles of NyQuil, 20 diet pills, 18 herbal supplements, 18 antihistamine tablets, 10 sleeping pills, 12 Vicodin tablets, about 8 acid reflux tablets, a bottle of Pepto-Bismol, and 6 Ritalin. What? All of that's totally legal, but it would explain why she's, is legal. you know, crazy. Um, also, according to this, Brittany called Kevin Federline and asked to buy the children from him. Brittany, the source says, Brittany called Kevin and told him he could have $100 million if he would give her total custody. $100 million? If he, if, How much of a down payment? <laughs> on the installment. If, um, uh, anyway, so she offered to send him, or to give him $100 million for total custody of the kids. Okay, but how about this? After that... And I, don't, and I don't know how much of this you've got, Tim, so, I mean... No, you keep going. I'll, I'll just add things that aren't there. Um, she apparently then called Jamie Lynn, uh, the 16-year-old, you know, the, the she of the bastard, the bastard Spears says, yes. Brittany then called Jamie Lynn. This is the creepiest thing. The source says, Jamie's newfound publicity enraged Brittany. After calling Kevin that night, she called Jamie Lynn and told her, quote... You're not going to be the only effing Spears on the front cover of a magazine next week and then slam the phone down. <laughs> and she has guns. That's creepy. Uh, let's see. Uh, the source revealed Brittany was wailing and sobbing and then just flipped. Her hysteria went up a notch and she ran with the children into the walk-in wardrobe and slammed the door. Uh, let's see. The court-appointed monitor was there. When the cops arrived... Uh, it sent Brittany over the edge. She was squealing wildly, urging them not to come into the room. Uh, when uh, she opened the cupboard door, she was cross-legged on the floor, weeping uncontrollably. She was wiping her eyes and smearing makeup all over her face. So her, she opened the, the door? It, it, they didn't use the... Uh... The assistant now denies that she broke down the door. Darn it, that was a, such a good story. You know what? I was happy for that day and all weekend because of that, so it doesn't matter. Well, I don't even... take that away from me. Uh, let's see here. Um... Once the, uh, let's see, once the children are away from her, she pounced on the bodyguard's leg and tried to stop him from walking away with the children. The cops tried to peel Brittany off of him, but she started lashing out. She then, um, let's see, she then sank her teeth into the bodyguard's leg. Uh. So she bit the bodyguard. Um, let's see, broke her fingernails off on the floor, broke down oh, in tears. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, started screaming, I want to kill my... In the hospital, started screaming, I want to kill myself, I want to die. All right, that's all I've got. So that's terrific. <laughs> Is it ever? 
Uh, what what have you, Tim? Now I got some added stuff. I mean, there's that whole Dr. Phil craziness. Matt, weird. If he doesn't look like a quack, I don't know who. Oh he is. man, what a, what an ass! I mean, I and got that, that Cheshire cat grin on his face. Do you know that that guy's got a diet book out? Who would take diet advice from a man who is, by all appearances, grossly overweight? I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to throw stones or whatever. Um, I mean, bending the public pressure over his uh, Britney intervention show, Doctor Phil canceled his program scheduled for today. In a statement on the site, the good doc said, it was widely reported this weekend at the request of concerned family members. I visit Britney Spears in the hospital. The tales of that visit will, of course, remain a private, which they're not. Uh, so they plan to tape a Dr. Phil show today, focusing not on the tabloid side, of course, but instead the very serious issue involving the case. Clearly, it is not Britney's family struggling to find a way to protect their adult child, who cannot be ordered or compelled to seek help. So apparently... He saw her in the hospital, and they're all starstruck, and they let her him see Brittany. She wasn't expecting well, him. This is that's the thing. So, and there were so many different versions. Yeah. Of this, Doctor Phil. First of all, Doctor Phil is he or is he not like the Al Sharpton of the celebrity psychiatric world? He really. Anytime is. anything happens, get Doctor Phil. Why? I mean, it seemed like yeah, a I don't joke. understand either. Why? Well, I have him here on uh, this morning's CBS Early Show. So let's see what he has to say about all right. this. All right. Let's see here. All right. Is he going to brag on himself? Apparently so. Okay. The information we have right now is that Brittany was seen in Palm Desert, Now, this is Kevin Frazier. Daily Grill restaurant during lunch yesterday. An entertainment you reporter. Know, this is just the latest development in the Spears saga that now has Dr. Phil involved. Here's a portion of my exclusive interview. Who asked you to come down to Cedars? I want to set the record straight. I went to see Brittany at the request of her family. I talked to Lynn, I okay. talked to Jamie, I talked to Brian, her brother. They were very frustrated that she apparently wasn't going to be held for a longer period of time. Entertainment Tonight and The Insider were the only shows to have the news of Dr. Phil's visit on our website Saturday morning at 9.50 a.m. E.T. and The Insider also obtained this new video from Hollywood.tv of Brittany at the wheel of her white Mercedes just hours after her release. You can see once she spots the paparazzi she quickly makes a u-turn right in front of a car <laughs> of course no she doesn't do things legally Dr. tim phil tells et and the insider about his involvement with the family and the situation thursday night uh the phone rang and it was lynn and she has a very close relationship with my wife robin and you know clearly she was very upset which you would expect any parent would be how long have you been involved in britney's situation I was first contacted by her family uh, over a year ago and have maintained a running dialogue with them uh, throughout the last year. Now, uh, Julie, here's the thing about Dr. Phil. He is very sensitive to Brittany's needs in this situation. Of course. Oh, as you can tell by the way he's on camera talking yeah. about, her. about their conversation. Mm. Kevin, have you mm. had any personal contact with Britney Spears since this whole thing broke on Friday morning, Thursday night? Not since Thursday night, but recently I saw Britney Spears at the Four Seasons Hotel. I was working a movie <laughs> junket, and the interesting thing she walked was by a me. movie star and several other people walked right by her because... Britney is almost unrecognizable, and it's surprising. When you see her, it takes a double take to realize, is that possibly Britney Spears? Wow. <laughs> you know, I'm wondering, why was she able to leave the hospital on Saturday? This is from Entertainment or E or uh, No, this is uh, the CBS Early Show. Oh, really? From Excellent. the... 
CBS Network. Even though there is speculation that Britney may have a bipolar disorder, Cedars cannot hold her against her will to treat such a problem. Now, from all indications, everyone thought that she was being held on a 5150, which means she is a danger to herself and others. And typically, people in that situation can be held for 72 hours against their will. But doctors that were treating her decided to release her. Mm. Entertainment Tonight, Kevin mm. Frazier. Kevin, thank you. And of course, we will all be looking for your exclusive later today. On... All right. So, let's uh, uh, address all of this in no particular order. So, A, boy, how much do you just hate Dr. Phil? Boy, what a, what a quack that guy is. You're totally right. I mean, really, honestly, who calls Dr. Phil? I mean, yeah. it's just... I, I'm not. Why don't they call Dog the Bounty Hunter? I was just going to say, I'm not suggesting They're that so he's... They're so disillusioned. They live in like this little fantasy world where Dr. Phil is the only possible psychiatrist to help Britney Spears. Keeping Dr. Phil on the phone. I mean, doesn't this just sound like a bad satirical movie about Hollywood? Doesn't this sound like a bad satire film about Hollywood mm-hmm. celebrity? Mm-hmm. You know, where, you know, some some fictitious Lohanist celebrity, you know, is, is in need of help. And so they bring in the glitzy, like, as opposed to, like, you know, someone who could help her. They bring in, like, the glitzy sort of pseudo-doctor. Um, anyway, so Dr. Phil, because Sarah was out of the loop for this. So here's what happened. So Dr. Phil shows up. His press conference, or his press release that he put out, he claimed that he met with Britney for an hour, and then he walked her to her car. Yeah. That was immediately discredited by photographs showing her walking to the car alone and by the hospital who said that he was there for 15 minutes and that she didn't want to talk to him. So he showed up, claimed that he met with her for an hour. He showed up, and she apparently, to her credit, told him to get bent. And I was talking to my wife about this last night. I said I couldn't figure out how to root for her, but I think in that case it actually is Brittany. If I was in a hospital and my family just sent Dr. Phil to talk to me without asking me, I think I would tell him to, uh, to go, to go t- you know, take a, take a leap. Um, so she tells Dr. Phil to get bent. He tries to spin it. And then he had booked Jamie Spears and Lynn Spears, the parents, on his show for First, tomorrow. Jamie bailed. Yeah, and then the dad told him to get bent. And then I think the mom did, and so now Phil has pulled, Dr. Phil's pulled the plug on the whole thing. Um, let's get back to Brittany, though, for a second. This is the thing my wife couldn't believe, because she this was scary. A, Dr. Phil? Yes. Oh, yeah, and it looks like a big, don't you, doesn't he look like the he ought to have tusks? <laughs> doesn't he look like he ought to have tusks and a big floppy <laughs> yeah. lard-filled tail? Like he ought to be rolling around on an Arctic ice shelf and... Um, so my wife was at work yesterday, and of course she's a psych nurse, and she deals with the, uh, the crazy all day, and she said they were just like everybody there, it was all the talk of the psych ward, because they, because they couldn't believe this insanity with Dr. Phil showing up, and then they couldn't believe that Cedars just like let her out, especially because all of the accounts, and I can't believe I know this much about Brittany's hospital care, she yanked out her IV, she was screaming at the doctors, and then according to multiple sources, she was repeatedly slamming her head against the wall of her room. So what did they immediately do? Let her go! Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they couldn't, uh, maybe she had no proof of insurance. Yes, no, well, it's because she's not working it. hard enough. Tim nailed it. Like, America just wants to see her die. Yeah, like, no, I just... certainly do. Die, Brittany, die. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have this. Sources tell TMZ the, quote, responsible, unquote, responsible people in Britney's life, whoever they might be, are trying to convince her to voluntarily enter a mental hospital. That's going to happen. We're told there's now a consensus that 
she'll probably never get custody of her kids unless she undergoes intensive inpatient Oh, she'll never see those kids what appears to be severe bipolar disease. But we're told Spears is rest or resisting and does not want to enter a hospital. Does this by... Let me just say this. I don't presume to know the medical condition of Britney Spears, but does this constant referring to bipolar disease sound pretty sudden as though they're just... This is the new story. That This is the new spin. Mm -hmm. It's not just that she's like a strung-out whore. It's she's got it's that she's got a disease. This is like how no one is really just a pathetic junkie and no one is just like an out of control raging alcoholic. They've got an illness. So this is and you know the next thing they're going to uncork. I'm telling you this right now. It, now it's bipolar. Next week it's going to be postpartum disease. It will be. I'm telling you right now. It'll be bipolar disease augmented by postpartum depression. No, that's Marie Osmond. And now, nah, but they're going to do it with Britney Spears. You mark my words. And within six months, Britney Spears will be on some Oprah type television program. Well, she will be an object of our sympathy. Uh, and then everybody will they will do everything but give her sainthood, and they will canonize her for being a survivor of bipolar disease and postpartum depression. The upshot of which is just to remove like like any of the actual responsibility for just being you know, like a spoiled brat. So that's I'm telling you right now that's the, the bipolar disease is a little bit of PR spin being put out to cover up the fact that she's just a C. I mean, which is clearly like is the case since nobody had ever uttered the words Britney and bipolar before you know last week. So. Anyway, this guy says, Rick, I was very uh, much hoping to see Dr. Phil uh, interview Britney Spears, where he would then urge her to commit suicide, <laughs> where he would say, you know what's all right? Stabbing on yourself. Sometimes you got to stab on yourself. It's not too late for us to do it. No. Well, I mean, that really is it. I think we bottomed out with Britney. I, I, I know I've said this a hundred times before, but I think she's done all she can do. What about her running off with the guy? What guy? What? That's the one bit that I know. How she ran off with the paparazzi dude. Oh, yeah. I they just seen together in Santa Barbara. What? I don't know what you're talking about. She oh. ran off with some paparazzi dude. Like, ran away with him romantically? Yeah. Yeah, she's done the impossible since I the think it's X-17 today. Not From look. She slipped out of her Beverly Hills home undetected despite the constant vigil of paparazzi. The pop star, accompanied by her paparazzi boyfriend, popped into the Daily Grill in Palm Desert around 10 a.m. Sunday. She seemed in a really good mood, laughing with the guy she was with. She shielded herself behind large, dark sunglasses and had champagne mimosas to drink. Jesus. That sounds reasonable. Um, well, Tim, you might know more about this than I do because you're, you know, you live in that Hollywood culture for a while. Uh, what with your Hollywood values? That's right. I mean, Cedar sinai is a ritzy place, but it is, it's like a real hospital, though. It's not like a fake hospital. No, it's a real hospital in Beverly Hills. Yeah, I mean, it's got so lots of money. It's strange that. It's the hospital of the stars. Listen to this. Here's another source. About three weeks ago, she just started bashing her head against the wall when she's irritated about something. Doesn't it's so, it seem that's so childlike? And she would do that and yank out her IV and scream at the staff. I mean, that sort of seems like. I mean, I asked my wife about that. I said, "What would you do if somebody exhibited those behavior traits?" And she said that if anybody did any one of those things, they would immediately be restrained and held for the maximum amount of time. Um, so again, here we have. This is. Um, she apparently. This is according to News of the World. She drank two bottles of Nyquil, twenty diet pills, eighteen herbal uppers, eighteen. Antihistamine tablets, 12 Vicodin tablets, 10 sleeping pills, 8 acid, acid reflux tabs, a bottle of Pepto-Bismol, 10 Zantac tablets, and 6 Ritalin. Uh, plus, they found two empty bottles of OxyContin in her Maybe home. she celebrated the eight days of Kwanzaa. <laughs> Here's, uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's cracking, family? Hello, hey, oh, hello, what's hello. up? No, oh, you know, business as usual. How are you doing, sir? No, oh, pretty good, pretty good. Actually, you just caught me with a mouthful of lunch, so... It's okay. <laughs> On waiting for this to, to blow over. You know, the funny thing about it is I got a couple quick things. Um, no matter how much time you guys spend on Britney, and I consider myself a, a pretty serious guy at most times, half the fun is listening to you guys freak out about it. 
Well, because whether or not I care about Britney, it's hilarious to listen to you. <laughs> well, because we're—I mean, we really are shallow. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be uh, to be better than we are. I mean, we really are. Can I just tell you this? I was at Newsweek.com last night uh, because I was—it it was it, it, talking about how the speculation started that Hillary was going to drop out and whatever. Mm-hmm. And somebody had sent me an email last week, actually, and I won't identify who, but a friend of the program had sent me an email saying, "Please, for the love of God, quit talking about Britney. There are real issues happening in the world. There's an election coming up. Quit spending so much time on Britney." So last. Last night, I go to Newsweek.com to look up the Hillary thing, and at the, at the, the, on the lower right-hand corner, there's a list of the ten most viewed articles on Newsweek. And the Hillary thing and the Obama thing, that's like number seven. The top three were all Britney. So oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised by we that do at speak all. speak for the common person here. It doesn't bother me, and I love you guys for Excellent. it. Number two, the, the best thing I saw today was logging into my MySpace account to see a picture of Tracy Morgan. <laughs> and, all I can, and all I can hear is, hey, Sarah, want to... Why did you see? Why, why was Tracy Morgan on your MySpace profile? There's I'm some confused. ad for Tracy, some movie that he's in, apparently, oh, I see. All and right. it's uh-huh. And it's just that face that he makes, and it it just brings up that comment. Wait, that hold question. on. Let me just. Uh, I think you're talking about. Hey, this is Tracy Morgan. You'll listen to my favorite dude, Rick Emerson, right here on AM 970. That's Solid State Radio. I don't think they play any music here, but I'm bringing some Shocker Khan records. Sarah, you want to? F- that's the best thing ever. Yeah. Um, but my real reason for calling, yeah, and, and I'll let you guys get back to Brittany. Uh, are you guys familiar with this this uh, supposed myth that you you cannot uh, swallow a tablespoon of cinnamon? I heard that you couldn't swallow a tablespoon of salt. Okay, I, I, I've got I've uh, I had a coworker who put me on to to one that supposedly you can't swallow a tablespoon of, of, of cinnamon. So what what we're going to do is uh, he's going to be swallowing a tablespoon of cinnamon let's, today. Let's back up for a second. Uh, it do, this is interesting because as you as you bring this up, I now realize that I have a lot of sort of urban legend myths, old wives' tales, whatever, in my head about a tablespoon of blank. For example, I've always heard that a tablespoon of salt, A, would kill you, like a tablespoon of salt taken just right down would kill you, but that it didn't matter because no one can do it. And then I remember somebody telling me that a tablespoon of caffeine, like a pure caffeine, a tablespoon of that would kill you. A tablespoon of nutmeg will supposedly get you high. And I've never heard the tablespoon of cinnamon. Is it just that it's so dry you can't swallow it? Is that the deal? I, I think it's along those lines, but I, I'm not 100% sure because uh, he was the first one to, to really put it, me onto it. Is this a coworker? Uh, yes, it is. It, have you looked into the possibility that this might, in fact, kill him? Uh, well, that's his problem. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I don't. I don't pay his insurance, and I'm not responsible for filling out the death certificate. Well, you know, I, I was. Well done. You, are you sure you're not a Republican? That's no, a, his know, health problems are his own. Wolf in sheep's clothing. Excellent. The um the one thing about it is that we're going to be filming that. Yes. And, uh, making that available to you if you'd like to see it. Oh, that fantastic. Yes, I think uh, I speak for all of us when I say that the, that we would love to see that. So when is he going to be doing this? Uh, probably within the next hour. So he's just going to get just like a can of cinnamon from the from the supermarket, and he just dumps it into a tablespoon and takes it down. Well, that's the plan. Does he have to do it in one gulp? Um, as I understand it, he will be putting the entire uh, thing in his mouth. So I don't know what will transpire after that. Has anybody else here heard the thing about how you can't eat a tablespoon of cinnamon? No, I have not. No. Nope. All right. He well, said he said there's a handful of things on the web about it. But we're going to put it to the test. All right, fantastic. Yes, pleased to be filming and pleased to be passing that along, sir. Uh, you will be the first to know. All right, thank you, my friend. All right, you guys take All it right. easy. Right, there's our good friend, the Low, calling from the city of Sin. Fantastic, excellent. All right. Uh, you're listening to KCFD, Portland. Here's Tim Riley. Hey, it's 1 you... o'clock already. Are any of you familiar with uh, the uh, rock and roll band, The Shins? 
Sarah? Yes, I oh, am. They're from they here. live in Portland, yeah. Yeah. Well, the keyboardist with his indie band, The Shins, has been arrested during the week in California on a felony domestic violence charge. This incident involves his girlfriend. Sacramento Police this morning confirmed the arrest of Martin Crandall of The Shins. He was booked into the Sacramento County Jail on a single charge of felony domestic violence. He lives in northeast Portland, according to public records. He was arrested in the Motel 6 of da- in downtown Sacramento. His girlfriend, who blogged about the incident, no. reported the assault to police. The Motel 6 in downtown Sacramento. Mm-hmm. How sad. And apparently the, uh, let's see. Oh, this uh, girlfriend appeared on UPN's America's Next Top Model. What's her name? Al- Elise Sewell. The news also spread through the blogosphere among the band's fans. Their latest album, Wincing the Night Away, is up for a Grammy Award for Best Alternative Music Album. What if they did that song? What song? I don't know. Well, is it, it some the... acoustic song? Yeah, it was on the um, Garden State soundtrack. Yeah, that's where I know those guys from. Uh, I will not reveal this on the air, but someone has just told us what hotel Charlize Theron is staying at. Says, uh, hey, Charlize Theron is staying at da 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 hotel in Portland. I work... Probably the Heatman. I'm not saying whether that's correct or that's not. That's where all the celebrities stay? I'll show it to you when we're done. Yeah. Um, he says, I work in the blank building, which is right next door to her hotel. I see photographers out there. If I get a picture, I will send it to you guys. That's, uh... Okay, yeah. Am I thinking... And that's the hotel that um, you got that one photo taken at. Yeah. In a, in a previous whatever. Life. Yeah. Motel 6. <laughs> yes. Well, see, but, uh, you know, that would be an interesting choice, though. If you were a Hollywood celebrity, mm-hmm. you think that they would actually figure that out eventually. If you duck into a place like the Tropicana, you're probably not going to be found out. All right. Thank you for that information, sir. We'll commence, uh, we'll, we'll ramp up our stalking efforts this afternoon. Okay, now, see, Richie is saying that nutmeg is used in the making of XTC. Uh, XTC. <laughs> He's written it XTC. <laughs> nutmeg in their hit song, Dear God. Nutmeg is, people don't really know this, that actually Andy Partridge is 85% nutmeg. I didn't know that. Um, he says that nutmeg is used in the production of ecstasy. That sounds made up. That, that's not, I think ecstasy is actually made of real drugs, isn't it? Uh, anyway, well, whatever. Here's Tim Riley. Well, let's talk about some other things. There are other singers out there besides Britney Spears. Why, there's Bette Midler. Uh, she will launch her new Las Vegas show, The Showgirl Must Go On, February 20th. The stage performance is expected to run five nights a week for at least two years. Wait, really? In Vegas? Yeah. Where at? Where in Vegas? Uh, she will succeed, succeed uh, Celine Dion at the Coliseum at Caesar's Palace. Palace. You know, I know what I'm doing the next time that I go to Vegas. That's so awesome. Seriously. Well, you know, and we've been talking about, I don't know if it's going to happen, we've talked about this show going to Vegas sometime this year. If we go to Vegas, I'm going to see Bette Midler. I can't speak for Why y'all. Why just you alone? I'm just saying I can't. You know I love me some Bette Midler. I'm saying I don't... Pres- Everybody loves Bette Midler. I would not presume to dictate your entertainment tastes. I'm saying if you all want to go, so much the better. <gasps> me, I'm going. I think I would pass out if I got to meet Bette Midler. Oh, dude, I can't... I couldn't even fathom it. I, don't, I wouldn't even... No. I gotta I've tell you, and you... for a long time, on and off, for years, in fact, with various and sundry shows, and I just wanted to park my car because someplace that was fun, and there's no town, town in... The world that's as much fun as Las Vegas. Who wouldn't want to see your carcass? Uh, tickets are priced between $90 and $295. And you bet, Midler. I'll pay it. She expects her Las Vegas audience to be in the good mood to have some fun. The drinks. You cannot believe the size of the drinks they serve. So the one <laughs> thing that will be different is I think this audience Excellent. is going to be pretty loaded. You know? And I think they're going to be out for a good time. Man, I so visit BetMidlerLasVegas.com. Boy, and even now, just hot as balls, just unbelievable. You want to? She just seems like a cool lady. <sighs> yeah, I would she's love a doll. Oh, ju- oh yeah, and just just nasty. And I don't you just mean you. I don't just mean sexually. I mean, you're right. She's a broad. 
I mean, she is a dirty broad. I mean, and I mean, and that, America loves a yeah, dirty broad. I mean, I mean, you, don't you get the idea? Don't you? Can't you? That really, is show business. Can you not picture her really? Uh, can you not in your head conjure up pretty easily a picture of her chomping on a cigar and blowing smoke at like her le- like sitting back in a chair like so anyway. There I was with with Barry, and we were in the bathhouse. I mean, she she she'd crack a chair over your head. Oh yeah, no, no problem. Kill you. Um, have you read Geraldo's book, Exposing Myself? Geraldo Rivera's out of Oh, I have not. I'll bring it. You got to read it. All right. Geraldo um, Rivera, right after the um, Al Capone's vault debacle, he cashed in. This is when he was thinking. I think at this point he didn't think he'd ever get a career again. So he's just milking it for every dollar he could, just making a cash run, and he. Um, he wrote this autobiography called Exposing Myself, and he had this whole chapter about his affair with Bette Midler. Uh, when he, it, it, I think she still won't talk to him about it because he described her as being just sexually voracious, and he was he would talk about how Bette Midler would just need it like twelve times a day, and and Geraldo, and here's the thing, Geraldo's book is like one long laundry list of his sexual conquests. Where he and he full on names names. He just talks about every woman uh, that he ever got horizontal with at any point in his career, and he has this whole chapter about how Bette Midler was the one woman he met whose sexual appetite outstripped his own because he is a he is a Latin lover, and how at one point they were driving either from L.A. to Vegas or Vegas to L.A. They're driving along, and she apparently just you know she just needed it because she's Bette Midler. She pulls the car over and demands that he give it to her like like by the side of the road and he actually says he's like well i he's like bet i we shouldn't have sex here in the, in the doorway of the car on the side of the road that's probably illegal and she was so pissed she just kicked him out of the car and drove off and left him and that was the last time she ever spoke to him so and she just dumped him because she was uh she was some sort of sexual dynamo and he was not able to uh not able to keep up wasn't able to keep that chalice filled so to speak all right, ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, woman who is horrified by my discussion of Geraldo Rivera's sexual proclivities, Lisa Desjardins. Hello. Hello, hello. I'm actually uh, in an entirely different realm right now, looking at John McCain and being swamped by Ron Paul supporters. Yeah, Very well, strange. That's what Ron Paul supporters do. They uh, they swamp and they multiply like tribbles. They do. They do. There were three of them over here a minute ago, and now there's about 40, and they're chanting. And it's, it's, it's getting a little out of hand. Yeah. Um, all right. So, um, well, let's just take first things first. Um, yeah. It does seem like the entire, uh, the entire, the country, the media, whoever, they've sort of taken a vote on Hillary's uh, political obituary and they've written it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it feels that way, doesn't it? You know, I'm not so sure that, that that's really the way this is going. I think that... Uh, the smart money right now, this is this is all actually a little bit good for Hillary Clinton because these polls showing her 10 points behind. Oh, here's some Kucinich people. Wow, there's just two of them. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sad. But the, uh, the Hillary being 10 points down in these polls today is actually good for her because tomorrow if she loses by five points, her campaign can say, hey, you know, we did better than expected. It, it's an expectations game at this point, and, and I think that um, having these very low expectations of Hillary right now could, could be good for her, actually. Does does she have to come in second, at least? Does she have to? Yes, yes, she absolutely she does. She has to come in second. No, no matter where she places, unless she's dead last, she'll continue her campaign because she has she has money. But but in order to really be viable, uh, she she needs to come in at least second. And and the truth is, she really needs to come in first. Because the game now moves after New Hampshire to Nevada and to South Carolina, where where both 
Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton have been fighting hard. Uh, and so far, Hillary, Hillary Clinton managed to get a significant portion of the African-American vote in South Carolina. But that that could change very quickly if, if Barack Obama has another big win here. And, and, and so then it just it just down the road, you don't you don't really see uh, sort of an easy game in sight for her. She's got to do well here to, to keep that groundwork going. Is I would imagine that uh, given the results of the Iowa caucus, probably the financial flow to Obama has spiked significantly. Right. That, yes. Well, what's interesting is we are hearing reports that, that they, they're fundraising. They're just cutting through butter, getting money right now. But the entire time, Barack Obama has had a fantastic uh, fundraising machine that, that really has raised money from a large number of donors, not just donors who are maxing out their donation, but people who are giving $50, $100. And he truly has made a lot of money from those small donations. And now we understand even more of those are coming in. I have a, a friend of mine who wanted me to ask you this. He says that he has been watching a lot of the, you know, the, the Talking Heads programs and the Sunday programs or whatever, and he says that he believes... His sense is that Obama and Edwards have started acting pretty friendly towards each other, that they haven't taken any shots at each other. And his question is, do they smell blood in the water and think that it's going to end up being an Obama-Edwards ticket, and they're both, they've aligned forces to shut out Hillary? You know, I, I don't think there's talk of an Obama-Edwards ticket on any kind of official level. There's a lot of people who, who like to speculate who are around here who are you know, talking about that. But I don't think there's, I don't think that's really happening officially. At least it doesn't sound like it. But I, I think those two have become, have become buddies on the campaign trail because they, they, I think they genuinely do not want Hillary Clinton to win. I think they both really do see her as the same old Washington culture, especially John Edwards. And, and I think both of them would prefer the other to win instead of Hillary. And so I think that's why you're seeing common rhetoric and a common goal for both of them. As far as the Republican side goes, is it still, I mean, despite Huckabee, did, Huckabee didn't, in the polls, though, did he get much of a bounce after Iowa? No, not very much at all. Just three points right here in New Hampshire, you know, which which is something, considering this really isn't an evangelical state. Uh, it's not a state that votes based on religion. So it's a little more than he expected, and, and it's, it's enough to put him ahead of Rudy Giuliani in New Hampshire, uh, making him third, Giuliani fourth. You know, but both of them are just way behind Romney and McCain in New Hampshire, so they're they're not really a factor. But it's it's definitely a psychological win if Huckabee can beat Giuliani, and it, and it certainly would be bad for Giuliani if he comes in fourth in New Hampshire. So McCain is is polling ahead uh, right now. Is that expected to to sort of uh, hold, or is it is it all kind of up for grabs there on the Republican side? Yeah, I think that's up for grabs. It's tight. McCain McCain is four to six points ahead here in New Hampshire right now. But Romney does have a very good campaign machine, and moreover, maybe a fourth of Republicans in this state are still undecided. And then you've got the independents. Now, independents break for McCain, so that's good for him. But a lot of Republicans I talked to today that seem to be thinking more about Romney because of uh, Romney had a pretty good debate uh, two nights ago, and also last night he did pretty well in another debate. So I. You know, it's not clear that McCain's going to win. The trends look that way, but I, I think I think that one you can't call. As far as uh, and I, to whatever extent polling can show this, are the, what are they expecting the turnout to be like? Is it going to be sort of like Iowa, where the turnout is going to be way up above what it's been in previous years? Well, I think the difference is that the turnout in Iowa traditionally has been very low. There's really been, you know, send one person from your town right. to vote. And in New Hampshire, they, they've had many years where they've had really good turnout in these caucus, in the, sorry, in their primary. But even with that, I think they do expect it to be at pretty high levels. But I don't think they expect the tidal wave 
that we were seeing in Iowa just because they they have more voters here to begin with generally. Uh, and it does seem like, to mention some of the other guys, Thompson probably has to score some sort of an unexpected knockout or at least a really strong showing here or he's just he's just got to go. Yeah, but you know, he, I feel like I feel like just to spite me, he's going to stick around. <laughs> just to thwart your prediction. Right, exactly. He's just going to. He just he knows that I put that out there, and I, he knows I don't like to do it, and he's punishing me for for trying to make a call there. Uh, I could see him sticking around to South Carolina at least. He he's got it in his head that he can do well there. I don't I don't see that, but but his campaign. Think that's possible. Excellent. All right. I, um, I, don't feel it. I, I know you're kind of there's a billion things going on right now, so we'll let you go. Let me just say this: just from the little fragments and snatches of sound and dialogue and energy I can hear in the background, you have no idea how overwhelmed with jealousy I am that you are there uh, in Manchester today. I really, I can, if I could, oh. if I could like Star Trek teleport myself right right now to that place, I would do it. So. Oh, you. I mean, it's. I mean, I, I wish I, if I could give you every piece of color I have. I mean, I'm. I'm stepping on a, some kind of sign for Hillary right now that's just been dis- discarded. And my favorite sign, though, I have to bring this up of the day, was at the John McCain rally I was just standing at, which was Azerbaijanis for McCain. <laughs> Excellent. That you should win. That should win some sort of scavenger hunt prize for least likely piece of campaign material. <laughs> And, you know, I thought the, the person actually made it himself, and then he's standing there right by where McCain's going to come in. It's, McCain is obviously just about to come, and the McCain campaign organizers actually make the Azerbaijani guy move way to the back. Like, they actually escort him to the back, and in come a bunch of similar signs in green ink that say, Irish for McCain. Excellent. And it was, it was like some very strange cultural war going on between the Irish and the one Azerbaijani guy hey, I have to, from the king. I have to ask you this really quickly. I don't know if you saw this. I think it was on this morning on ABC when they were talking to Barack Obama about Hillary Clinton's campaign, and he did the most brilliant job of just putting the knife in with a smile on his face when he <laughs> said, I just find the Clinton campaign to be rather depressing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's very nice. I mean, he's He's getting frighteningly good, yeah. To, to what extent is, to your knowledge, is Obama shaping kind of his his own strategy there? He doesn't seem to have a high-profile a Rollins or a Begala or a Carville. You know, that is something that I am really eager to figure out, is the, the organization there on the Obama side, because because it's deep. I know I know a lot about the phone calls they've been making from local grassroots organizations. I know a lot about how spread out they are, but I don't know how it's working at the top. It is a very serious organization that formed very quickly. And the truth is I've got the same question you, you have, that who really is running this? Because I, I, I think he's got to have some help from his early uh, civil rights days there in Chicago, but I don't think that would be enough to have a campaign this sophisticated because it, it's a very serious uh, serious campaign, as, as good as Hillary Clinton's, it feels like, at least right now. Uh, all right. I am giddy with anticipation. I have already set my TiVo to record everything that CNN does from today and <laughs> from right now until like 4 a.m. tomorrow night. So, all right. Outstanding. All right, Lisa. Enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, we okay. will talk to you very soon. Thank you, Lisa. All right, great. There you go. Lisa Desjardins in Manchester. Woo. Fantastic. Boy, you can just tell. Oh, I'm so jealous. Not that I, I don't enjoy too. coming here and doing the show for the people, but really, boy. I'll be glad to play out there tonight. Oh, no, just, you know, well, can I just tell you, can I tell you what we got in the yes. email the other day? Mm-hmm. We got a thing the other day um, asking us if we wanted to apply for press credentials to the South Carolina uh, primary. Uh, but, but, or, or no, to the debate, rather. Um, but And then, mm. to the, then there's one for the primary. But, uh-huh. um, there, well, see, now I'm getting it. Now I have to, I have to go look it up. Uh, we got a thing from CNN. 
which they sent to, I think, all the affiliate stations. And I think maybe it was the New Hampshire, the New Hampshire debate and the South Carolina primary. But the thing is, you, they doesn't give you access to anything good because they, because no. we're not, because we're not Lisa. We're not like real CNN reporters here. Um, we're just sort of on the, we're on the, we're at the card table. Uh, and so I think they would have allowed us access to the spin room after the debate. Uh, but, uh, but not to anywhere decent, but boy, uh, yeah, in a heartbeat. One of the things I might to do before I die list is to be, uh, at a primary or at some sort of, you know, one of those, uh, the nexus of one of those, you know. They're uh, great fun. Oh man, just, just the, because I'm just such a politics nerd and I just spent my whole life reading those classic books like Bare Knuckles and Back Rooms or, uh, Boys on the Bus or Fear and Loathing 72, uh, which the Hunter Thompson book, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail, which is one of the definitive pieces of political journalism. Um, it's just, just, I mean, last night I sat there was watching Primary Colors, uh, which is one of my favorite political films. And um, it's just, I mean, it, it, for a guy, you know, and I'm not much into sports, um, but really I think I am attracted to politics for all the same reasons that people are typically attracted to sports. Uh, because it's the swirl of intensity and the hotbed of excitement and the, you know, and there's the, you know, the people who buck the odds and there's the, you know, beating the line and there's the anticipated spread versus what actually happens and there's the psych out and there's the trash talking and there's the everything. It's everything that you could possibly want out of a sport is present in politics. So, yeah, it's just... It's Can nice. I interrupt your tangent just for a second because this is time, this is timely. Oh, do we have breaking news? Yeah. Oh, wait, hold on. Here's some breaking news. Ow, for the love of God. Sorry. Breaking air. Breaking news. <laughs> Breaking news. All right. So Charlize Theron right now uh-huh. is shooting in the nude. This yeah. is from an unnamed source in the nude at the McCormick Pier. She's doing a nude scene right now on the deck. You can see it from the Broadway Bridge. Fantastic. The McCormick, can we get a chopper right up there? The McCormick Pier. The McCormick Pier. I'm not even sure that I know what that is. So it must be right near the Broadway Bridge. McCormick yeah. Pier. I guess. I think it's that. I think it's that promenade, like right on the side. Um, just north, like between the Broadway and the Steel Bridge. Oh, I know where that is. Okay, yeah, yeah okay. So Charlize Theron is shooting a nude scene at the McCormick Pier right now. Everybody go and stare and take photos. It's a public place. So there you go. Thank you, Sarah. God bless you. And thank you to whoever sent that into us. Here's uh, Tim Riley. It's almost 1.30 already. Yeah. This program is whipping by. Here's Tim Riley. Tonight looks like 9.3 million people watched the Democratic debate and 7.3 million watched the GOP debate. Well, you know, and do you see that CNN... During the Republican, I think CNN just re-ran the Democratic debate. Yeah. So, uh, all right. And Romney now says he will boot out many illegals in his first 90 days. And Huckabee tells New Hampshire voters, I have signed up to be part of God's army, to be soldiers of Christ. And nobody was impressed. Why Really? Yeah. Soldiers of Christ? Soldiers of Christ. Jesus. You know, why doesn't Romney just, why doesn't his new platform be just like, whatever you want me to do? Just tell me what to do and yeah. I'll do it. That's his, his new platform ought to be just like, fill in your request here. Forget about everything I said while I was governor of Massachusetts. <laughs> well, that's the, the, the weird thing about, well, not weird, I guess it's predictable, but is that he was just such an unbelievably liberal. I mean, it was, uh, well, they try to repackage him. Basically. Um, and people are stupid. <laughs> no, the truer words were never spoken, Tim. Uh, somebody has just sent me, um, where is this? Somebody sent me photographs, this is our audience, of the inside of a bathroom stall somewhere. Uh, let's see, where is this bathroom stall? Used by Shalise Barrett. No, better. Uh, let's see. Rick. Better. Here are some photos taken in the upstairs men's room at the Hawthorne Fred Meyer. Um, just there's, says, a, there's a men's room upstairs? And it just says F. Matt in big letters. <laughs> That's viral marketing is what that is. Jesus. All right. You know, other people get billboards, mm. bus boards, yes. television commercials. 
I get the name of a former producer scrolled on the inside of a uh, the inside of a toilet. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. A uh, Springfield man has been arrested for stealing a lottery ticket worth $50,000 and then tried to cash it in. The woman who rightfully won by scratching off a green and gold ticket had lunch with her son at a Denny's in Springfield on her way to collect the prize. That's when she said the ticket was stolen. She told police it was hidden inside a notebook that she accidentally left on the table. When she realized her mistake and returned to the restaurant moments later, both the notebook and the ticket were gone. The restaurant employee who cleared the table identified as Charles Dysick of Springfield denied taking the notebook. But the next day, a 21-year-old Eugene man tried to collect the prize at a lottery headquarters in Salem. The investigation determined the suspect, Dysick, contacted the man and asked that he go to lottery headquarters with him to claim the prize. Because Dysick told the man he owed back taxes and child support. Well, Dysick was arrested outside lottery headquarters for aggravated theft in the first degree. And the Idaho woman was finally able to claim her prize, in addition to not going home with the $50,000. Now, Dyersick may have to pay a fine as high as $250,000 if convicted. And now you know. The rest... Hey, can I just... I saw the greatest headline here in Yahoo Finance. No. Oh. It's one of those headlines that you see, and it, it's just sort of written in such a, I don't know, such an interesting lexicon. Chinese employers accused of hiring goons. What? Goons. G-O-O-N-S. And I thought, accused of hiring goons. And then I clicked on it, and here's the other headline. Chinese empl- There's a second one. Chinese employers accused of goon hiring. I don't even really know. Sure, that, I'm not even really sure that I know what a goon is. What is a goon, Tim? What category would that be under? I don't know. Is that like multi-level sales or something? It just says Chinese employers accused of goon hiring. I've been many things in my life, but never hired as a goon. No. Oh, by the way, speaking of goons, I don't know how that reminded me of this, but do you know that? Um, I think it was CNN. Oh, see, now I have to now I have to look at the uh, now I have to look at the MySpace. Um, uh, on the same night, I think it was CNN that did this, where they were running both debates. They were running the Republic, or they had the, de- the Democratic debate, and they were doing something else. Something or other. But it was CNN uh, in the last couple of days who were actually running something with the tagline. It was like a two girls, one cup, but it was it was two debates, one night. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then on this network, on CBS, mm-hmm. I think on CSI, they were doing they did the uh, they did the two shows, one night kind of a thing. So there have been at least three different occurrences in the last week of the two girls, one cup, you know, the two blanks, one blank making its way into the media. Um, oh, oh, God. Oh, this is no good. Okay, here's a rather unnerving email. Uh-oh. Rick, about cinnamon. Bad idea. This was done a while back on Opie and Anthony, and it nearly killed their producer. <laughs> Jesus. Apparently, it closes your throat and makes you choke. You're also then unable to breathe. Bad idea. Well, okay. Well, wasn't low. It was some friend of his, of whom he had already washed his hands. Regrettably, he also listens on podcasts, so he won't hear this warning until half an hour after his friend is dead. Oh. Well, well there's time. Well, what can you do? Life is for the living. Here's Tim Riley. Time Cannibal Watch. Here's your, <laughs> here's your Cannibal Watch uh, from Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Eat it, eat it, All you boys and girls listening with mom and dad in the car right now, may 
not want to listen for the next uh, 45 seconds turn or so. Turn up the radio. This is not for children. Please turn it down. We'll tell you when to turn the radio back on. Really? Did you just say that? Huh? Dateline, Tyler, Texas. We'll tell you when to turn your radio back up. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we're hopeful. Charges have been filed against a 25-year-old Texas man who is not only suspected of brutally murdering his 21-year-old former girlfriend, but also suspected of eating her. Smith County Sheriff's Office say Christopher Lee McCoon allegedly bludgeoned Jana Shearer to death and cut out chunks of her flesh. The Tyler Morning Telegraph reports McCune took uh, the woman's body to his mother's home where authorities found her Saturday after McCune's mother discovered the victim's bloody corpse in her garage and then flying down a police cruiser. McCune also himself called 911, at which point he led the dispatcher to believe he was actually eating the victim. Authorities say they found one of the victim's ears boiling in a pot of water on the stove and a plate full of human flesh sitting on the kitchen table with a fork stuck in it. <laughs> well, you can't eat with your hands. That's mm-hmm. just disgusting. Well, I mean, he's, uh, at least he's polite and observes table matters. McCune is also suspected of breaking into the home of his estranged wife early Saturday morning and stabbing a man several times. McCune was still in the home and police arrived at the scene. However, he did manage to get away. The victim remains in ICU at an area hospital. This is the victim he stabbed, not the victim he ate. He's also charged with capital murder and has been placed on a $2 million bond. Well, all right. So there you go. Tyler, Texas. You know, it is very telling, by the way, that for the first half of the story, Sarah didn't even respond or flinch or no longer struck her as weird or strange in any way. Such is the soul-deadening power of the Rick Emerson show. Yes. A fork and a big plate of flesh. Yeah. Oh. Are you curious about whether or not that guy's going to die from eating the cinnamon now? No. I'd call I'd, Lo. I have no guilt for it. It's all you. I'd call Lo, but I don't have his phone number anymore. <laughs> uh, you want me to send him an email? There's your cannibal watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson show. Why did he just boil the ear? If you don't like it, you can't send it back. Just eat it. Eat it. Get yourself an egg and beat it. Seems like boiling it is going to result in a lot of chewiness. Get a stress-free dinner on the table with these easy menus every day of the week. There are seven <laughs> simple dinners. Please tell me that there was a recipe book that linked on that same story. Please tell me <laughs> that, that there was a banner ad for some sort of cookbook on that news page. Cowboy tacos, chicken and biscuits... Uh, chicken chili stromboli, linguine, and ratatouille sauce, uh, shrimp chili cornbread casserole, and tortilla soup. Uh, let's take this call, and then we'll break, and we'll come back with uh, more, including Peter Carlin, Jim Roop coming up later, higher on the Rick Emerson Show. Mm-hmm. Rick, the only thing I was curious about was the dude eating his girlfriend. Was he part of the honor party? That was my question. You spoke too fast. What? Hello there. Hi. Oh, okay, there you go. I'm just wondering if the guy who ate his girlfriend was part of the Donner Party. That's my question. Oh. Oh. No, this is Texas. No. Okay. Well, you know, the Donner Party had to do their thing, so, you know, I know this guy had to do his thing. I'm just wondering, you know, why are you eating somebody if you don't have to? That's true. Well, because it's fun. That is fun. the question on everyone's yes, mind. Yes, I... Yeah, okay. Take it easy, man. Thank you. Sometimes I can't tell whether things are supposed to be punchlines mm-hmm. or whether it's like a legitimate inquiry. I think he was trying to be funny. Yeah. He was amused. That makes it sadder for everyone, doesn't it? All right. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Rock and roll, son, it's
of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503-733-2970. Did you get a hold of Lowe about not killing his friend? Yeah, I just wrote it to him, and I wrote him another one because he sent a YouTube video, and he wrote, just, yes, ma'am, just got the email. What info did you get? I'll need to pass it along if he's going to believe me. He's stubborn at best. So his friend's insisting on doing it, even though we've already told him that it's going to kill him. Well, all right. Doesn't matter to me. Uh, Let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how's it going? What's up? Hey, I was going to let you know that uh, you should check out that YouTube video of that guy, the Opie and Anthony producer eating that cinnamon. So it was the ONA producer, ONA, part of the CBS radio family. So they, right. he had a tablespoon of cinnamon? Yep. And makes your heart rate go down? And what happened to him? It, he looked like he was dying. The audio is pretty good, too. Is it clean? Because they do a satellite program. Yeah, um, the yeah. YouTube version has to be. Well, of course. Of course, the YouTube version has to be clean. I guess he didn't care for that. No. He's probably looking it up right now. Hmm. Is he looking it up? Sir? Will he get back to us? Yeah, okay, thanks. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, what kind of logic is that? The YouTube version? Well, it's on YouTube. It's it has clean. to be clean. Because that's always how that works. At the Ministry of Truth, here's Tim Riley. And with now, a name like Smuckers. From the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. John McCann has just promised the people of Nashua, I will get Osama bin Laden. I will follow him to the gates of hell. What? Huh? I'm sorry, I was reading this thing about the Opie and Anthony contest where they almost killed their producer. What were you saying? Oh, John McCain just promised the people of Nashua, I will get Osama bin Laden. I will follow him to the gates of hell. He made the statement moments really? ago. Really? Honestly? I will follow him to the gates of hell. Was he riding around on a horse holding a like the sort of Excalibur aloft? <laughs> I don't know. But they will never take our freedom! I mean, to the gates of hell? To the gates of hell. That's the sort of thing that makes me afraid to vote for a guy like John McCain. I don't want someone in office who takes the phrase gates of hell as his preferred suffix when he's speaking. Well, to someone in New Hampshire, that would be the border of Massachusetts. <laughs> oh, listen to this. May Hollywood writer strike can now claim its first award show casualty. Inside sources say NBC will not broadcast the Golden Globes as promised on January 13th. Nor will it even have a full frills on broadcasting dinner party as planned. Instead, just pick up your awards at the table. Oh, yeah. really? Yes. You just swing by the office and pick it up. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like when you uh, like when you go by to pay a parking ticket. There's just a guy behind bulletproof glass. You slide your ID under and then shoves the Golden Globe under the glass. It says here, it'll now just be a news event where the actors can still get all glammed up <laughs> if they want to. Oh, wait, so they're positioning it as a news event. That's probably how they're getting around the uh, mm -hmm. the picket line then. Right, they're all on a little table. So if it's a news event, it is not considered scabbing to cross the line. That's right. a pretty tricky way to get around it. Now, when do we know when the Oscars are supposed to be? That's a... Uh... That's, not, February, too, March? that's not too long, ago, long from now. And this is no. coming up pretty quickly, is it not? Mm -hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see if they do that. We'll talk to Peter Carlin here in, I don't know, about ten minutes or so. We'll uh, we'll get his take on that as well. So we'll see what happens with that. Yes, indeed we will. Well, I say about the GM that has just invented cars that drive by themselves. That's right. Uh, General Motors uh, unveiled something at a consumer electronics show today. GM is unveiling their Cadillac concept. This is an environmentally friendly car. How is that possible? That is said to be driver's list. Uh, one of the engineers said the new uh, Chevrolet model uh, doesn't require anyone to be inside. This is a car that you can drive or can be driven on roads 
and it automatically drives. It automatically senses the lanes, automatically senses pedestrians. What could possibly go wrong? Stop. So you can send it to the store and pick something up? I was up? just going to say, what is the possible the use of a car that drives it itself? I don't know. Is this, when it's, is this when the car is driving to find Sarah Connor? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, these are just experimental. It uses uh -huh. a lot of technology that exists right now, things like GPS systems, lane detection systems, automatic cruise control systems. But it goes well beyond that uh, because of the way it has to work and how it has to inter interact with the environment. George from Wilsonville. I really, I was going to say he sounded like Peter Carlin. A little bit too. What is the practical application of this car? You don't have to drive it. If you're too busy, you just send it on its way. To, you know, to do whatever. So the car is sort of like a dog you can send out for a run. Oh, put the kids in the back and send them on your errands. Brittany. Mm -hmm. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, it's Low again. Hey, hey, hey. Is your friend dead? Uh, we actually haven't done anything yet. He hasn't gotten back from his lunch break. Let me. Well, he's got an email from Sarah like, "Don't kill your coworker." Let me you know? let me read you a little something here. Uh, let's see. This this is from our friend Siegfried. He says, "Cinnamon," and then all caps. Bad idea. He says, this was done a month ago on the Opie and Anthony show. It nearly poisoned their producer. It closes your throat and renders you unable to breathe. Well. <laughs> That's a morning show type of thing. I mean, it, it doesn't matter to me. Maybe you don't like your friend. Well, he's a pretty big guy. I'm just trying to calculate how big his throat might be and how much cinnamon it might take <laughs> to actually close it up. I mean, don't get me wrong. As long as it's not happening on CBS property or at the behest of CBS radio, it doesn't matter to me. Um, it, it, now, you work at a, uh, I mean, are you... Are you at a company where, like, you would have first aid facilities or, or, or supplies nearby if he was unable to breathe? Well, if by first aid and facilities you consider a uh, sink, yes. <laughs> maybe this, or maybe just you have, like, a like that episode of MASH, like just a knife where you could just maybe give him an emergency tracheotomy, a tracheotomy with, a, with, like, a Swiss Army knife and a ballpoint pen. Oh, I wouldn't have any problem cutting him open, but I don't know if he'd uh, be too <laughs> thrilled about that. Well, all right, then. Uh, so where is he now? Um, I just checked, and it doesn't look like he's in his office yet, so he should be uh, on his way back from lunch here in about 15 minutes. Really, this does raise serious questions about, A, the type of company you work for, and, B, like any sort of productivity that would theoretically be happening there, if this well, is how you're whiling away your Monday afternoon hours. To, to be perfectly honest, this has nothing to do with the type of company we work for and everything to do with the type of people that work at my company. <laughs> really? I have to tell you, you know, and the first thing that this reminds me of, uh, somebody was mentioning that somebody sent me an email that said it reminds me of The Office, but really this is like Shades of Code Monkeys, uh, that show that you sent me on DVD. Oh, yeah. Because this is exactly the kind of thing that I can see them doing on that show. Where it's, you know, a whole lot of, like, where David, no, 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 take a, take a tablespoon of cinnamon. And the next thing you know, you know, his life force is down to zero. Yeah, there's a whole lot of buffoonery around here. <laughs> yes, I'm getting that feeling. <laughs> not, not necessarily perpetrated by myself, but, uh, hey, you know, whatever makes the world turn, I'm game. Okay, uh, well, hold on a second. We've got some people who I think are going to weigh in on the cinnamon thing. Uh, let's see. Hello, sir. You're, uh, oh, wait, hold on. I think I put low on hold. Wait, hold on. All right, there. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show about cinnamon. Hello. Very amusing. Thank you. I got a, I got a beat he could rhyme over. <laughs> uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. What the hell was that? Uh, it's one of our P1s, undoubtedly. Yes. Lovely. Well, actually, I wasn't even talking about the cinnamon. I had a preemptive question for Peter Carlin, actually. Oh, okay. Well, Richie identified you on the screen as wanting to talk about a YouTube cinnamon video. Uh, Not it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. I'll put you back on hold. All right. Hold on. Uh, hey, Richie, is this guy in line four about cinnamon? 
These are, every one of these calls appears to be mislabeled. Shades of Richie Bristol. Just talking probably myself. smoking with the engineers. No, he's on. Okay, uh, let's see who this is. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Are you calling about cinnamon? No, I'm calling about the car that drives itself. Uh, for the love of... All right, hold on a second. All right, well, never mind that. Apparently no one's weighing in. Sarah, did you watch this YouTube video where the guy eats the tablespoon of cinnamon? No. It did sound... I have, I have such a weird thing about choking anyway that I don't really want to watch that. It sounded singularly unpleasant. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, try. That's why I'm not doing it. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. If you've got a coworker or a friend, roommate, frat guy, buddy, who's you know willing to do something dumb, by all means, exploit that tendency. That's what I oh, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the Timmy Ryan part of this whole affair. I got to tell you, when I was growing up, I used to, you're the instigator. Um, two stories. A, I went to high school with a guy who would get drunk and with his friends, they would have this contest to see how high they could throw a brick in the air and still catch it. And B... I had another, a female high school friend who used to have contests with her sister, I swear to you, in which they would see who could stare at the sun the longest. <laughs> hey, hey, Rick, yes. I, I do have Throwing a question the about, the, about those friends. Yes. Uh, were they white? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, they were, no, they were, they were hella white, as the kids <laughs> say. All right, let's try this one more time. Hello, are you calling about cinnamon, sir? Yes, I am. All right, what, what, do you, what say ye? Well, I just want to... I just wanted to add in, isn't this the time you should call your wife, who's a nurse, who might actually have medical knowledge on this? Maybe, but I mean, is that the sort of thing they teach you in medical school about the lethal dose of cinnamon? Well, they teach you some weird things. I know my wife, she's not a, a, an RA level, she's an LPN, and she, they did some pretty weird studies in their class. All right, uh, well, let me look, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Thank you, sir. Yep. All right, let me do one more thing here, Lo, before we go. Let me, uh, I'm surprised I didn't do this already, cinnamon. Can I just tell you this? I beg, I beg of Google to purchase Wikipedia just so they can give it a function that auto-corrects your spelling. I hate being off by one letter and then Wikipedia claims there is no entrance for the uh, entry for the thing I'm looking for. All right, how do you spell cinnamon? Oh, jeez, don't ask me. I believe, I believe that's C-I-N-N-A-M-O-N. Oh, see, there you go. C N N A M O N. Now I had two M's. All right, here we go. Cinnamon. I'm just gonna look right here. Cinnamon. Let's see. Uh, I'm just going to see if there's any sort of lethality here. Um, <laughs> let's see. Ba, ba, ba. Da, 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 da. Uh, let's see. And uh, it is a volatile oil. It can also be used in pickling. Um, it has remarkable pharmacological effects in the treatment of type 2 diabetes. It fights toothaches. Um, okay. Well, at least if he dies, his teeth won't hurt. <laughs> there are. There are, and his insulin will be regulated. There are no, uh, there are no warnings against it here. So Wikipedia says it's fine. It must be true. Well, if he if he croaks, it will obviously be by his own hand. Yes, indeed. Well, that's the thing is, I have, uh, we have, he is forewarned. We have uh, shunned ourselves, and we have shunned all responsibility for this. I, I tell you what, in appreciation for, for for Sarah's abrupt warning, I will warn him. Okay, but then you'll film it as he undoubtedly proceeds. Exactly. All right, fantastic. Please let us know the outcome, sir. Will do. All right, there you go. Thank you. There's our friend, uh, Lowe. Fantastic. All right, Richie Bristol, uh, I think we want to obtain Peter Carlin on the phone here. We still need a theme for Peter Carlin again. It always seems so... Oh, yeah, that's right. What were we going to do? I have another choking story. Do we? Mm -hmm. Let's hear it. Uh, Senator John Sununu may get a good word from the Bloomberg News Service after he saved the agency's executive director with a Heimlich maneuver. A piece of chicken got stuck in reporter Al Hunt's windpipe at a Manchester restaurant. Sununu jumped up, put his arms around Hunt, and popped the chicken out in the maneuver. Hunt and Sununu were sitting next to each other at the Hanover Street Chop House in downtown Manchester. Do you ever think about the Heimlich maneuver and whether or not you would be able to apply it if you had to? 
It's like CPR. Do you ever think about CPR and how you might actually have to do it one of these days? I got approved for doing that. CPR? I have a Red Cross certificate. Uh, do you have to get that renewed every year? I think it's every year, every other year. Let me look. Do you know how to do the Heimlich maneuver? I do. Uh, do you ever worry about this? Do you ever worry that you're going to be choking in a restaurant and somebody around you won't know how to do the Heimlich maneuver? Or they'll do it wrong and just crack your ribs, and so you'll just choke to death while having your ribs broken? It is valid for one year. All right. I think about that all the time when I'm in restaurants. I always wonder if I were to begin choking. if so, Because that's got to be a singularly unpleasant way to die. You know, like choking on a big piece of meatloaf or something. That's no good. I've completed CPR for adults conducted by the Oregon Trail. And let's see, I can uh, give CPR till 5-15-2007. Is that only in... Oh, I see. Oh, I got this at 5-5-2007. So I can do this till May 5th. All right. It's good for one year. You can only do it on the Oregon Trail? Apparently so. You can only do it when your partners are dying of dysentery. I got most of the questions wrong, too. (laughs) But they they print print up the cards. They grade on a curve. Uh, you know what? They asked all these questions. That, that wasn't in the film. So I got them all wrong. <laughs> but, they already, but they'd already give, printed up the card, so why not? Yeah, they tore it out and handed it to <laughs> Well, we already printed the card. It's the past. Exactly. That's what it came down to. Fantastic. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Oregonian uh, with a heart full of hate and a head full of creme de menthe. Uh, Peter Carlin, hello, sir. Hey, hi. Hey, how are you? How's life, brother? How are things? Things are fine. Thank you. How was your? Did we talk to you on Monday last year? Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so, well, did you hear this that the right that the writer strike has now claimed the Golden Globes? Yeah. I, well, I was aware that it was headed that way, but. Uh... So this when are the Oscars supposed to happen? It's like February, right? Yeah, late February. So that's not going to uh, that's not going to be good. It seems like they might be the next to go. It does seem like that. So it turns out that the, I guess the thing with the Golden Globes is they're going to try to position it as a news event to get around the actual strike, and they're going to claim if you just want to show up as part of a news event to pick up your award, award that, that they're going to claim that's not scabbing. Huh. Well, but 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 is it done, or are they just uh, teetering on the brink? I don't really know the answer. Tim, did, is that a done deal, or is that sources sources have said? I think it's sources say at this point. This oh, is, this those is guys. from Nikki Fink's Dateline Hollywood. Well, well there it is then. Uh, so we got that, and then Stewart and Colbert coming back Monday night. Are those guys going to do... Because Conan seems to be doing a pretty great job. Conan seems to be just flat-out straight ad-living as opposed to Leno. No, Leno is uh, is trying to make it seem as though nothing's changed. And um, but but you know, and and you have to wonder how long a how long can that go on, and b how is he even doing it now? Like so the episodes I saw last week, I mean, he was doing stuff that clearly had been sitting around for weeks or right. months. But you're going to run out of that sooner or later. And also, maybe there was a reason why it didn't air in the first place. Like, maybe it wasn't so good. Well, I, those those did seem like third desk drawer jokes. Yes. But Conan, on the other hand, is just, like, breathtakingly great <laughs> from the episode that I've seen at any rate. I mean, just the sheer sort of craziness of his imagination and his willingness just to go sprinting off in any given direction with a camera at his back. Well, he did that thing where they, was like, they brought the camera over and he was seeing how long he could spin his wedding ring on the desk. Yeah, that's just where it began. But then after that, it got even weirder, even, you know, a lot, you know, um, even quicker. Uh, the part, there was a really a, a beautiful uh, video piece of him just wandering around his offices upstairs, mm-hmm. showing off his toys and stuff, and, and <laughs> having this imaginary conversation between a Conan doll and an Abraham Lincoln doll, and uh, the part where his some of his other staffers were playing that rock star video game. Right. And so then he began to kind of karaoke uh, the Beastie Boys um, sabotage in the voice of Edith Bunker, which sounds remarkably uh, similar to uh, to the Beastie Boys. 
Uh, by the way, we have this now. Uh, this is from MTV. MTV News is reporting. Uh, that, uh, let's see, Golden Globes telecast canceled due to writer's strike. Hmm. Um, instead, winners will be announced on NBC News as part of a, quote, stripped-down ceremony. They're going to be streamlining it, apparently. Well, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, Conan is really served well by the fact that he has a pretty finely-tuned sense of the absurd. Yes. And that functions pretty well in an element, in, in an environment of chaos. Uh, the ability to sort of uh, just be inane or surreal in a sort of funny and creative way, that's going to help him flourish in that environment. As opposed to Leno, you know, with Leno, that environment just becomes sort of airless and suffocating. Yeah. Well, Leno is just, I mean, also I think that he, you know, maybe 15 or 20 years ago he would have been able to handle this better. But I think that ever since he uh, stripped off his uh, his creativity and his sense of humor and, uh, you know, and gave it to NBC in a box in exchange for Johnny Carson's chair, um, you know, I mean, he's just become this kind of ultimate corporate creature. Well, and he's short-timing it at this point anyway, isn't yeah. he? I mean, is, what, is, he, is this his last year? Uh, yeah, I think a year from now, Conan will have taken over The Tonight Show. And I think the strike is going to be, at least the way it's going so far, and so it's very early, but um, the stri- these strikier shows are going to be great for Conan because he is the most exciting thing going on in late night as of, you know, I mean, I don't know what Colbert and, and Jon Stewart are going to put together. But, uh, but you know, I mean, it's really yeah, – his his usual show I watch on and off, uh, getting back to Conan, but um, but this is, like, thrilling. I mean, I don't want to miss a minute of it. Well, see, that's – and I actually have only seen little bits and pieces of it, but that is enough to – that's – that's enough, your recommendation, sir, is enough for me to uh, to watch it. Um, well, and at this point, I mean, it, it, the, even if the strike were to be solved tomorrow, the year is screwed anyway. I mean, the year is, is toast. Um, I think uh, CBS actually announced today that they're going to be running Dexter yeah. on CBS as of February. Right. Uh, which is, you know, so I, I think uh, however wrong the studios may be here, uh, the problem is everybody, writers included, is going to end up taking it in the shorts. Uh, you know, because this is, I guess it's going to be good for some folks, perhaps like Conan, but it really is going to irrevocably alter the landscape in some ways, I would imagine. Well, how you mean irrevocably? I mean, well, meaning I think that there's probably, I think, was it you that mentioned this mentioned that with the last strike there was a chunk of viewership that just never came back? Uh, I never said that. Maybe not. Maybe it was somebody else. Maybe they were making it up. It was you, some. It was another TV critic behind my back. It was, it was a lesser. It yeah. was a lesser pun. I think it was a guy. Although now that I come to think of it, it was obvious that he said this. It was actually a guy from the WGA. Now that I think about it, um, we had a guy from the WGA on last week, and he was talking about the last strike and and that he believed that there was some permanent erosion that happened with the strike, and that was before the Internet. Mm. So, remains to be seen. I mean, it's never a good sign when they're rolling out American gladiators, you know, as like a highlight of the 2008 television season. So, Well, yeah. Um, well, let's, speaking of highlights, let's talk about uh, The Wire, uh, which made its fifth and final season debut last night. Boy, what a, just, what a fantastically bleak and textured show that is. Yeah, no, it's terrific. I'm, uh, I'm a bit ahead because I have all those... How many? How many seasons? How many episodes have you seen? Uh, I've seen four so far. Oh, bastard! So, I, I mean, it, I have to tell you, and I don't work at a newspaper, and I have not ever worked at a newspaper, but we were to use the term "airless" before talking about Leno. The way that they depict the Baltimore—it's the Baltimore Sun, right? Yep. yep the yep. way that they depict working at a major newspaper in 2008 is so. I mean, it's it's just so unbelievably depressing. Well, <clears throat> there is that. Um, <laughs> the um, uh, the critics um, or the other critics, other than myself, um, have come. I mean, I think after years and years of unrelentingly great uh, 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 
critiques of of the wire now there's a little bit of of grumbling about those baltimore sun um segments because um and you can sort of see where it's coming from because that as opposed to virtually every other um set of characters in that show this the sun it's like you know who the good guys are and you know who the bad guys are and some people are just good like that city editor guy who's just the purest clark know, uh clark johnson that guy yeah um and some of them are just venal and awful, like the top editor guy, <laughs> you know, who keeps urging them to do more with less. And in every other setting, I mean, people are, are way more... Nuanced. Um, yeah, they're more nuanced. I mean, there's more people who sort of inhabit shades of gray, where the where the criminals are capable of, of moments of generosity and sensitivity, by and large, and the cops can be beastly at times. Uh, do you suppose that comes out of David Simon's personal sort of grudge against the de-evolution of the newspaper industry? Yes, I do. And I think that, you know, getting that close to home, it, you you know, it's, it's harder to... You know, to 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 see things as a as a dramatist, you know, or as somebody who understands, you know, I mean, he he, I think in this, he's probably been spoiling to tell this story for years. Yeah. And now that he has a chance, it's like he's going at it, great guns. I do have to tell you though, just the way that they depict uh, just a criminal element on the wire is, I mean, it really is just breathtaking in a sort of horrible way. Mm -hmm. uh, it is it is it's so compelling and it's so carefully done where they are careful they don't paint in broad strokes for the most part as you said yeah uh and especially you know they've continued to follow that story of sort of the younger kids uh you know the kids the 13 14 15 16 year olds who are sort of coming up in the game as they say mm -hmm. and it just is alternately saddening and horrifying and it's just uh, it is probably one of the best depictions of a criminal lifestyle that i've ever seen on television yeah, I mean it's it, 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 because, and because you don't doubt. I mean I, I don't know whether it's realistic or not, but when I'm watching it, I never doubt for a second that it is. I mean it feels absolutely genuine, whether it is or not. Yeah, so. a lot of those kids. I mean the 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 tragedy is. I mean you know in which that show depicts um, so well is that uh, you know these young guys who end up getting sort of drawn into this criminal subculture don't particularly want to do that. They're sweet kids like any other group of sweet, innocent kids, but they have no other options because, the, you know, the culture, um, you know, society just doesn't doesn't allow them any other options. And it's not a justification for, I mean, I don't know, is it a just, it kind of is a justification for criminal behavior. If you have no, um, if you have no, uh, 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 you know, mentors, if you have no one in your life that can actually, you know who is for one. You know who is equipped in any way to, to to show you how to function within society, and society itself is designed just to smite you at every turn. I mean, how can a 12-year-old, you know, or 13, 14-year-old kid figure his or her way through that? No, it is it is pretty relentlessly bleak. And I mean, that's just the first episode that I got that. I mean, even for The Wire, which is a grim show to begin with, yeah. it does seem like it's going to be just one nonstop like freight train to hell this season. So well, except for the. Except for that, when you calling it, emphasizing how grim it is. I mean, in a sense, it's true, but you also can't forget that it is moments of that are hysterically funny. Oh no, it's it is a it is sort of a, it is a very black comedy in many ways. Yeah. So, uh, is there anything else uh, of note that's actually on television uh, right now? Anything new that's rolling out that I ought to be paying attention to? Well, we had your uh, your wire. We talked about that a second ago. Um, what else is new and rolling out that I'm watching? Well, I think there's another couple episodes of Friday Night Lights before that goes dark. Um, and uh, in terms of new, uh, you know, there's some stuff coming up on FX, which, or no, I'm sorry, AMC, a show called Breaking Bad, which 
I can only give it, I mean, which I'm interested in. I haven't seen yet. I've got to see it. But um, it's another one. It, it's from the same guys who do Mad, or excuse me, the same network that's put on Mad Men. Right. And so they're making a big play to do, you know, become kind of a premium network. And um, given their success with Mad Men, I have very high hopes for this one. Excellent. All right, my friend. Uh, I had some other point to make, but it's lost now in the mists of my brain. I'm kind of only operating at about 60% capacity today. So, What's your uh, problem, dude? Uh, it's a lot. I went to bed at 1 a.m. and I woke up at 5.30 in the morning for no readily apparent reason. I couldn't get back to sleep. You're stressed out. Uh, I am. Yes, I am. Uh, What's your problem? Personal stuff? Let's talk about it. <laughs> right, what are, you, are, you, are you the Dr. Phil to my Brittany? <laughs> yeah, I'm canceling your show. Gonna be, uh, yeah, I was going to have to be yanking out my IV and just slamming my head against the studio wall. All right, my friend. Read him in print in the Oregonian online at OregonLive.com. Fear him always, Peter Carlin. Thank you, sir. Hey, by the way, be thinking about what you want your intro music to be. I realize we don't have any intro music for you anymore. Sarah was pointing that out. Hmm. Be thinking about, is it too obvious to go with a 57 channels and nothing on? Yeah, that would be. Yeah. How about something more like um, something completely inappropriate, like uh, bad to the bone? No, I cannot handle hearing that <laughs> not even once a week. Really? Were you suggesting that ironically? Me? Yes. Oh, totally, yeah. Okay, that was, I mean, that's the only way that we would not have to come and kill you right now. that we'd have to hear it. Oh. Yeah, no, I, we can't do that. We actually, that, that is one of, that's like Baker Street. It's just one of those songs that has become so unbelievably synonymous with bad talk radio. How about Afternoon Delight? How about we never play Afternoon Delight? Here's another thing. We're also not going to play I Got You, I Feel Good by James Brown. That's How about not Convoy? Okay, I'll do that. There you go. Convoy. <laughs> Done. Done and done. And sadly, I have that sitting on my computer upstairs right now. See what I'm saying? All right, my friend. We'll talk to you next Monday. Okay, okay. Peter Carlin, ladies and gentlemen. Convoy. How right. can you not love that guy? Well, we might as well just continue here on KCMP Portland. we got Roop in like two minutes. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Well, I had a question for Peter Carlin. Well, here, I'll pretend to answer it as him. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to ask him about the uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Oh, I can almost thing. I can almost guarantee. Here's the thing. Don't feel bad that I forgot to get you, and that's my <laughs> fault. I wasn't even looking at the call screener. I I apologize okay. for that. Here's the thing. Don't feel bad that I didn't put you on with Peter Carlin because he almost assuredly a would not know about that show, and b if he did, he wouldn't care about it, and would probably have made fun of it and spoken of it in only the most derisive terms. <laughs> okay, fair I enough. I have to tell you this though. What do you know about the Sarah Connor Chronicles? And here's the reason I I'm ask. Only... All well, I know, I've... there was a little TiVo preview for it, and that's it. Yeah. I've only ever seen the previews on TV, you know, in between shows and stuff. It's not actually, it's, it's, it's not know, even on yet, is it? I think it starts this coming Sunday. I just, I mean, why? I mean, I know why, because it's a franchise they can whore some money out of, but I mean, exactly, yeah. there's, you, know, you know, dude, you know it's not going to be good. I mean, come well, on. Who are you fooling? There's a hope. There's a slight, no. slim shade of hope there. I mean, the, 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 the Terminator 3, I will grant you, was passable. Decent. Right. Much better than it should have been. But there really is no reason to be rolling out a Sarah Connor. And what is the, what is the, the, the conceit of the program? Is it, is it Sarah Connor after Terminator 2, but before Terminator 3? Uh, after Terminator 2, but before... John Connor rises to power again. Oh, wait, because I guess Terminator 3 takes place... I don't even know. I can't even remember now. So Terminator it's 3 takes place like... John so becomes it's, the new leader. So it's... Okay, so it would be like Terminator 2 and a half. Sure. And this is before she goes to the crazy house? Right, and before the uh, the big war and before... Before the, the children come apart like paper? Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, you know, I'll watch it once and just to verify that it's bad. I mean, you know it's yeah, going to be bad. Know where I'm at, too. Only, yeah. Yeah, because, because they just have shown no respect to that franchise the way it is. Anyway, you know, they're already working on a fourth Terminator with that idiot McGee that directed Charlie's Angels. So you have that to look forward to. Boy, that's lovely. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Bye now. All Bye. right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, what's up, Rick? What's up? Hey, um, I haven't been listening to the show today because my cheap-ass boss can't even afford an AM radio for my truck. What uh, but, what kind of work do you do? Um, I do I uh, install real estate signs. You know those posts yeah. that stick now, in the ground. Now, so. honestly, and, I, and I'm trying to make fun, but really, honestly, what kind of a truck doesn't have an AM radio? Well, it's just the last one is uh, busted, so he has failed to replace it. <laughs> he hasn't even put an AM radio in the truck. What? Uh... How how many hours a day do you spend in your truck? Uh, about six. Six hours? Do you have the same truck every day? Yeah. All right. I'm going to buy you a radio to put in your truck. No way. I am. Um, when we're <laughs> hey, done... No, it's all good because i got an iPod and I've been listening to old podcasts. No, no, not good enough. When we're done, I'm going to put... You have to be listening to it live and local if you're live and local. I'm going to put you on hold when we're done. Richie's going to get your info. I'm going to I'm going to buy you a radio to put in your truck. Uh, that's why I love the Rick Emerson show. Right. Don't everybody um... call up and ask for a free radio. <laughs> all right. What's okay, up? So... What's up? Uh, so I was listening to an old podcast, uh, yeah. uh, and the topic was uh, Disney subliminal messages. Yes, sir. And I didn't hear this one come up, and it's it's great. Um, in Aladdin, when uh, he's trying to woo Jasmine on the balcony, and he's like he's about to jump off the balcony onto the carpet. Right. There's a guy in the background. You can hear him whisper. He says, "Take off your clothes." <laughs> That's creepy. That's okay. very creepy. I've never heard of it. Now I have to go look for it. By the way, you doing that just now will haunt my dreams tonight. So. I, I, I was just, just, just going to say, take off your clothes, but I, did, I, I wanted the dramatic effect. Excellent. But I don't know if uh, they might have uh, canceled out on the DVDs or whatever. I haven't heard it in years, but well, I like heard if, it when I was like five years old, and it kind of well, like if you uh, like if you if you watch the DVD now for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, they've taken out the uh, the scene where Jessica Rabbit shows her. Uh, Business. Her, 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 the business, yeah. So uh, the JJ. Yes, exactly. Uh, hey, uh, yeah. I got, I got, I got another uh, shocking revel. If, if be true, it would be the the most shocking revelation of Richie Bristol yet. All right, go ahead. And about a month ago, this question would have sounded absurd, but yes, in light of uh, recent developments right. such as his conquest of the Ass Club and yes. the formation of the Pimp Squad. Yes. You should ask him if he has ever in his past done camera work for a adult film foundation that suavely coaxes drunk college chicks into removing their tops for clothing. <laughs> really? I swear to God. Borrowed a, you know, a, you know of All right. speak. Done and done. All right, we're going to do that. I'm going to put you on hold. Richie's going to get your contact information. I'm going to get you a radio for your truck. Thanks a lot, Rick. Best show ever. All right, there you go. Richie? Can you get that guy uh, line two? Can you get his contact info? That's weird. I was listening to it on the right. YouTube. You can totally hear it. Really? The uh, take off your clothes? Right here. All right, let's hear it. Then we'll talk to Jim Rope. All right, so this is an interesting. This is Aladdin. Says, Good teenagers, take off your clothes. All right. So how's our little bow doing? Come on, good teenagers, take off. I can totally hear that. <laughs> yeah. Play that one more time. That's creepy. Take All clothes. right. I love you. So how's our little bow doing? That's creepy. Okay, that's completely oh. creepy. I All like right. that one bit. 
Wow. All right. I still have one of the original boxes with the penis castle from um, the Little, Little Mermaid. Mermaid. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I have an interview with that guy somewhere. Uh, Bill Morrison, the guy who drew that. Did he admit it? He claims it's an accident. He claims uh, it's completely unintentional. He's like, I didn't draw a penis. All right, we'll get more of these calls here in a second. Let's welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. Singing on radio correspondent, James Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy, and a good afternoon to you, sir. You're sounding unusually perky. What are we drinking today? Really? Oh, I don't mean to. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's great. Normally, you just feel, you know, normally you're just sort of filled with a furious loathing for all of humanity. <laughs> Maybe you're just covering it up today. Well, um, I, I'm getting some mixed signals here from a couple of contacts. Uh, it appears that the Golden Globes may be canceled. Now, see, we heard rumors of that, that, and I don't know if it's been confirmed or if it's just... It if hasn't yet, but I, I have a couple of... Uh, I don't know that I can really report this yet. Well, you know, we don't need... We, we don't even need half a source here. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I think the L.A. Times is one of the... Reporting parties here, but I don't want to. I better not. I, I will say, I think. Can you uh, say like allegedly? Allegedly, uh, sources. Allegedly. Sources report that sources are reporting. Unnamed sources say. I think unknown M sources. And I think, uh, for what it's worth, I think MTV.com is reporting that now too. Somebody to oh, show. Are they all oh, okay? So I don't know if, it, but it doesn't mean that. I think they. I, I, I'm, I can't. I don't have anything officially from the. Uh, Hollywood Foreign Press Association. And I think MTV is actually still only saying that sources are saying. So it's like a three three degrees removed, you know. It must be somebody from inside the Dick Clark, Dick Clark Productions or something has probably leaked the fact that every release is on its way. Maybe maybe Dick was just trying to ask about the set dressing or something, and they misunderstood it to say that it was being canceled. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm uh, come on. I mean, <laughs> it was right there. I had to do it. Did you watch some of that stuff? I like did. You? I did. I watched the badly, uh, the badly, badly CGI'd corpse of Dick Clark on New Year's. And again, don't get me. I've said this a million times. We, we, you know, I love Dick Clark. He's an American icon. He's a whatever. But, but we talked about it the next day, and, and people were sort of giving us grief for talking about it. But you know what? You can't not address it. I mean, it is. I mean, it's huge. The fact that this guy who's been on New Year's every year forever and ever and ever, and, and you know what makes it so awkward. Is, and it's because he's from that old school where you never break character and where, you know, you don't ever talk about your personal life. What made it so awkward on New Year's is that he himself never addressed it. Uh, you know, if he had just made some sort of speech about, you know, as you know, I had a stroke, but you know what? F that. I'm never going home. I'm going to do this show till I drop, you know, because it's what I do and, you know, let's roll. You know, that would have been fantastic because Roger Ebert did that. Ebert, you know, he can't speak anymore. Ebert had part of his jaw removed and... Ebert talks now through one of those, like, Stephen Hawking things. And uh, I saw a great interview with Ebert where the first thing he did, because the funny thing, if you see Roger Ebert, his voice, the thing he speaks through now, it's like a British accent. It's not an American accent. And the guy said, uh, you I know. I wonder if he could, I wonder if he chose that. The British accent? Yeah. Yeah, they, and they asked him why. The first question was, they said, Roger, you know, you have to speak with this computer program. Why the British accent? And... He said something to the effect of, you know, and this is in the British computer accent. It goes, because all of the American voices make me sound like a complete nerd. <laughs> I mean, he totally just, like, embraced with how weird it was and acknowledged it. And, like, all of the stress and weirdness went out of the interview at that point. Wow. But because Dick Clark is very much from that old school where he's locked into the unflinching persona, you know, he doesn't ever address it. And so, as a result, it's just really tense watching him on the screen. It's very awkward. Yeah. So, yeah, what can you do? Um, I mean, I felt bad for the guy because I mean, I've, I've spoken with him a hundred times. I still got a, 
a, a message on my machine here that says, hey, uh, Jim, I thought we were supposed to have an interview this morning. I guess I'm wrong. I mean, I was late for the interview. Right. <laughs> he called me trying to find out where I was. I'll never e- erase that. Oh, no. That's the, way I know him. that's the way I know he sounded. I mean, you know what? He's uh, He is fantastic. He's an icon, and he's such an icon that I kind of wish, because he, you know, is obviously what made him great is he's such a control freak. I, I do wish that he would, I, I don't know, I, I wish that the, his handlers would maybe be able to get him to sort of deal with, uh, you know, the stroke in maybe a little bit of a different way, because I don't think he's ever done an interview about it. I don't think he's ever talked to a news organization about it. Not that he has to. He's Dick Clark. He can do what he wants. But but I do think it would help lessen the just terrible awkwardness that a company's trying to watch him on television now. Yeah. So, well, well it's, it's more awkward to me to watch Ryan Seacrest. Oh, God. Dick Clark. Boy, Ryan Seacrest, who is... He is the Mike Huckabee uh, of 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 the ABC broadcasting world, just completely and utterly bland and devoid of any character or flavor. Yeah, but Huckabee's showing some life. Uh, you know, the uh, Seacrest is, is is still a dead fish. I tell you, man, it'd be fun to watch you do that. I would like to see you host that Times Square New Year's Eve. Oh yeah, yeah, like they wouldn't yank me off camera. Oh, that after would 15 be. Minutes. Come on, come on, that would be fun. It'd be fun for us to watch, that's for sure. <laughs> well, yes, as that big like, it'd be funny to watch as that like that big hook came from off stage and like dragged me <laughs> off like vaudeville style. So. What will drop first, the ball or the hook for Rick Emerson? Really, I, I think... honestly believe it'd be fun. I think you'd be perfect for that. Well, you know what? I'll uh, I'll let you I'll let you get on that. You make you make the appropriate calls, Jim. Hey, you know I I talk to people. Uh, you, you are people who knows people, my friend. I I, I talk to people all the time. Not that they listen to me, but I talk to them. You know what? You uh, well, you know what? You uh, I don't know. If you let Rick Emerson wet his beak, I won't forget it someday when I'm uh, when I'm president. Uh, I I want nothing back, sir. Right, well, I'm just, I merely uh, want to I re- merely want to make America better. You know, we are such a great mutual admiration society. Really, that's <laughs> uh, that's the that's what's great about us. Uh, hey, let me. That you this like man on the street thing for the Writers Guild. Yeah. And what is this where you go out and you ask people like, if you were a striking writer, what yeah, would well, you? Well, you ask know, for? I, the, the network keeps asking me to, to, you know, find do something else on the writer strike. Well, geez, I've done everything in the world, you know, except beat up a writer. So I thought maybe I would I would take it from the angle of of the consumer. All right. Now, what if we could strike? If we could demand something from the TV and movie industry, what would we demand? Right. Otherwise, we'll stop watching or we'll go on strike. Right. And uh, you know, uh, some of the funniest ones was you know I'd, I'd stop Dr. Phil from any access to the airways. Absolutely. You know, I mean, some of the stuff in reality shows. People hate reality shows. You know, they they'd say uh, if I could demand anything, I'd demand they stop reality shows and start writing more intelligent programming. Boy, but how much how much do you just want to? I mean, and I'm just speaking figuratively here because I don't advocate violence against anyone. Figuratively speaking, how much do you just want to punch Doctor Phil in the face? Oh man, it's I, I it, it's it's hard to be in the same room with him without going. What you you're a moron. Have you been in the same room with Doctor yeah. Phil? Is is he just? I mean, in your uh, editorial opinion, protected by the First Amendment, is he just an ass? <laughs> okay, never mind. Let me say this. I'll say that he's an ass, and if you disagree, feel free to do so. I will so. neither confirm nor deny Okay, that. that's what I'm talking about. All right. He just, I mean... I, I, I get the feeling that he is not who we see. Well, and I, I mean, and it just seems like, look, I, it, it's not like I'm like really concerned about Britney Spears' mental health, but I can't think of something less helpful for someone who, let's say, she legitimately has mental or physiological or problem, pharmacological problems, whatever. I can't think of anything less helpful than to get like some celebrity idiot doctor in there, you know, who's just trying to ring it for his own additional 15 minutes of camera time. Yeah, that's exactly what he was doing it for. 
I mean, first of all, he has no inpatient privileges at Cedar sinai uh, So I don't know why he was let in there. Uh, secondly, the fact that he even announced he was going to talk about it in the first place is just ethically... Well, yeah, you don't do that. I mean, ...void of, of anything. You know, the, you know the, it's like I was going to a shrink for a while. It'd be like my shrink putting out a press release. Hey, Rick Emerson's coming by to get some head shrinking later. Yeah, gee whiz, man. I mean, it just seems like... You just don't do that, even if it's not illegal. It seems like it certainly is unethical. I mean, the first thing I did was find out, is this guy really a doctor? And, yeah, he's a clinical psychologist. He really is. Well, uh, you know, I, I suppose. I mean, <laughs> I suppose if, if he's got that, but it just doesn't... I, 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 for, for a second, I felt bad for her. Oh, no, no, no. I was talking about my wife is a psych nurse, and we were. I picked her up from work yesterday, and she was, you know, of course, it was all the discussion at her place of work, because she works in a crazy house, and it was it was all the, the rage there was the discussion about Cedars. They have a radio on in that place. No, no, they don't. It upsets the, uh, it upsets the mat. Um, the, uh, but um, let me just tell you this. Here's, here's, a, little, here's a little insight to where my wife works. Um, uh, my wife actually... Um, I do believe at one point they actually had to get a whole new set of windows because there was a patient who I think was trying to attack somebody with a chair. So, um, anyway, but it was the whole discussion, you know, about, she said at work, they were talking about Dr. Phil and Cedar sinai whatever, and, and I said, you know, it's really hard to figure out who to root for, but I really do root for Brittany there because, you know, what if I was in some mental hospital and they just, you know, brought in Dr. Phil without me asking for him, mm -hmm. and some, uh, you know, idiot sawbones just came in trying to get a little fame off of me, I think I'd tell that guy to stuff it. Oh, yeah. So I don't blame well, her for doing that. she apparently walked out. She had already been released. She was packing to leave. He walked in. She walked out. Uh, he's there at the behest of her family, I guess. And she just said, I don't want this. And I guess, according to him anyway, and if you go on his website, there's a little more information. But he spent about an hour with her. And I don't know why he would want to even talk about it on a show other than, like you say, to get some eyeballs. But it's just, it's just terrible. The guy's, you know, it's just terrible well i did say he does sort of seem to be the al sharpton of the uh of... oh yeah that's a great that's, that's a that's the perfect description feel free to use that sir that is the that's it that's yeah. the definition no he is the al sharpton of the celebrity mental health world yeah you know he appears where he is neither wanted needed or asked to be and where he can do negligible good uh you know but make sure but you know there's but but as long as there's cameras in tow there he is so man, i don't even know how he, that man has a show you get the idea that there is just a jet idling in a hangar somewhere like 24 <laughs> hours a day and when he reads it lindsey lowen had some booze and immediately you know to, to you know to, to the bat cave or whatever and you know they, they immediately shoot him out over there so well in any event i don't know we were going to talk about something with the writer's guild but doesn't really matter. Uh, well, we sort of did. I mean, I, I think the Writers Guild did make that agreement with uh, United Artists that so Tom Cruise can go make a movie now. Hooray. Um, I, I, I don't think they're going to make that agreement with the Golden Globes, so we will not have the Globes. Well, see, the Globes had three choices, really. They could either put the show on uh, and have it televised and have no presenters and no acceptance speeches, which would be great for me. It would be done in 15 minutes. <laughs> or they could do it and uh, not televise it. If they don't televise it, there won't be any picket lines, therefore... The stars could go, and, or did they postpone it? Looks like they might just be postponing. It. I would go ahead and put it on. I would just wouldn't televise. It. I think the, uh, the 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 thing that we read, and I don't know if this is true or not, is that they are uh, they're trying to structure it as quote they're going to position it as a news event, not uh, like an award show, but as news coverage, which then allows uh, recipients to go there without crossing the, the line. If it's going to be on TV, there will be picketers. If there are picketers, 
SAG says we won't cross the picket line. I don't care how you structure it. There's, if, if it's going to be televised, I don't care what they call it. There's going to be a picket line there. Interesting. Well, this is, I mean, like we already have talked about, this just seems like it's been going on forever and ever. So. And it's like just nine weeks. That's yeah. like two months. Mm. All right. It's crazy. All right, my friend. You on tomorrow? Oh, I believe so. Absolutely. Then we will undoubtedly uh, talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. Thank you, sir, very much. James Rope, ladies and gentlemen. God bless him. Hi, Sarah. How you doing? Well. Do we have to break? Yeah, I've had like ten bottles of water. I need to use the facilities. All right. Back after this, uh, some calls on hold. If you're on hold, hang tight. Uh, we'll get to you in just a few. Uh, Tim Riley coming at the bottom of the hour. We're news. Oh, we've got an alcohol question for Sarah. I'm just saying. Oh, you know, we never played. We never played that uh, that rap song that guy recorded for us. No, I did drink that bottle of champagne this weekend, though, and it was awesome. By yourself? No, with a friend. Excellent. Was it Kiki? <laughs> no, it was Heather. Oh, all right. Uh... We should, we should play that rap song at some point. The one that the guy sent us that I lost, but that you have it, because it have mentions it. you being the drunk of the year. All right, back no, after this. drinking buddy. Rick Emerson Show. Yeah. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503-733-2970. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Well, uh, you didn't read down the Wikipedia section far enough on cinnamon. This is about the tablespoon of cinnamon killing you? Yeah. It says that all powdered cinnamon sold in the U.S. is actually cassia, which is a, a, a variety of cinnamon. Mm-hmm. And it contains Kumarin, which can cause liver and kidney damage. And then you go to the Kumarin site, uh, page, and it says it's a powerful rat poison. Well, all right, then. This email says, Cinnamon powder is very fine, and not only will the attempt to swallow cinnamon poof it up into your nasal cavity, but your throat will not have the traction to push it down, and you will choke to death. Yeah, well, that sounds like a different issue. This liver and kidney damage. Mm. <laughs> so, really, it's bad in every conceivable fashion. Uh, yeah, in, right. if, if not taken in moderation. Excellent. Thank you, sir. You bet. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior, Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth... This is Tim Riley. A mayor's photos become the talk of a tiny Oregon town. Well, some of Mayor Carmen Contera Gunquist, roughly 500 constituents, uh, will want to know her views on the issues affecting their small community. Others want to hear her talk about her underwear. The mayor's lingerie is a hot topic here, and some residents are upset that she posed with pictures of herself wearing only a tasteful little black bra and panties. On her MySpace page, she was on one of the town's fire trucks when those pictures were taken. The MySpace page is blocked to all but her friends, but the pictures were at one time available to everyone. I'm looking at them right now, actually. Uh, so she is the mayor of of uh, Arlington. She's the mayor. When did <laughs> really? <laughs> when did mayors become so hot? Only in Eastern Oregon. I mean. She's a little uh, overly tanned and kind of weathered, but, I mean, still, as mayors go. Are uh-uh. you looking at this photo, Sarah? Uh-uh. Now, she's also the fire department's executive secretary. Check out this picture of the mayor. She says the photos wow. were taken before she was elected mayor three years ago. It's all no reason to remove it from the Internet. Is she a bodybuilder? Uh, I don't know. She's exceptionally toned. I'm not going to change who I am, says she. There are a lot of officials. Not bad for a politician. Not bad at all. Uh, you can see these at K2, by the way, k 2 com. 
It's a picture of her in a bra and panties on a rural protection fire truck in a rural protection fire zone. Yes, it is. This isn't the way we want our city portrayed, complained one. The complainer is Lorena Woods. Yeah. Lorena Woods, one of the residents who says the photos of a steadily clad mayor reflect badly on Arlington. Because I'm fat. <laughs> <laughs> says an aging stubby pepper pot. So what are they going to do about it, really? I don't know. I love the idea that the mayor is in trouble for being too sexy. Uh, really, and you know, and I'm not speaking about this woman specifically, but you know that the people who are upset about this are just a bunch of stubby, gray, fat crones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, really, honestly. Let's just, that's, that's all the... long since given up on their physique. Totally. That's, that's who complains about this. Is someone who, you know who complains about this? A woman who is afraid that her husband is going to have the hots for the mayor. That's exactly what A woman whose nickname is Ralph. <laughs> Seriously. Marge. <laughs> Well, Marge, uh, Marge and Gladys and Blanche sit around and bitch about how the mayor is hot. So the mayor really is attractive. I, I don't care for the amount of makeup that she's got on, but she really is uh, quite a looker. Mm-hmm. Those aren't real, but still, quite a looker. All right. Well, fantastic. Uh, uh, thanks to our friend Kristen, who sent this to us. You can find this at uh, katu.com. All right. Okay. Uh, Donny Osmond wants America to get moving. The singer, actor, and host is serving as a spokesperson for the American Heart Association New Start program. The actor? Yes, that's what it says. In what has he acted, Tim? I don't know. It comes from an undated source. (laughs) Of course it does. Uh, Cardiovascular disease is an issue close to his heart. He says that walking can be part of one's uh, uh, good life. We all have these great notions of getting on on an exercise regimen. These New Year's resolutions last about 30 days, if that. And then we fall short, and we make them again next year. But something as simple as walking is, is something we can continue on throughout the entire year. Boy, what an exhausting soundbite. Don't we have this story every single year? I guess so. I mean, that's why it's undated, right? Because we've had this, this same story for the last five years. Well, that's probably... Yeah. I mean, there are other things going on today. Some right. people think elections are a game. They think it's like, who's up or who's down? It's about our country. It doesn't it's even about sound like our oh, it It's really about all of us together. You know, some of us put ourselves out there and do this against some pretty difficult... It doesn't uh, sound like Hillary at all. We're vocal because we care about our country. Maybe. It's hard to do. Maybe. Well, very little practice. It just sounds you like get upset your voice gets high pitched because your vocal cords. Is that up. true? Yeah. I guess. Or maybe she's just trying. Maybe she's just trying to be softer, more relatable, more feminine. Maybe she speaks that way to Bill. Hillary. Oh. oh. You know. Hillary Clinton's sexy talk. Can I just tell you the thing about um, <laughs> Hillary's book of sexy poems today? To <laughs> be <laughs> my houseplants see me naked. Uh, you know, the thing about Bill Clinton out there on the stump, though, is that he just seems so completely bored and disinterested in the whole thing. Uh-oh, he answers a call from his wife on the campaign trail and oh says, my I love you. Oh, my God. But did you hear the thing that he said this morning? Which thing? The thing that he said to that. I can't believe I forgot to mention this earlier. God, and I can't believe I didn't mention it to Lisa. Uh, I forgot to mention this to Lisa from CNN. So Clinton got caught on camera this morning at on the stump for Hillary. And he was sort of like apologizing for her, and he actually said to the crowd, "I'm sorry, but I can't make her any younger." <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. What? It's true. Did let you not hear it? Let me let me find this. I'm I mean, pretty I, sure I, it's I on Drudge. I'll too. guarantee you, it's on Drudge. Uh, oh. I can't oh. believe you didn't you let didn't hear that. Let me find it here. I saw it. Let me go back and get it. Everybody, please be. And attentive. I think he also apologized for not being able to make her a man. Mm-hmm. I think he says, "I can't make her younger or a man." Younger, taller, or a male. Yeah, do you have the... I got the YouTube video coming uh, up here at any time. So you may talk amongst yourselves about the events of the day while it comes up here. And, of course, every time I want something, it takes forever and ever to get it. Well, you know, uh, I have something that we can can fill with here. 
Okay. So I'm going to uh, fill with this while you're waiting for the uh, for the YouTube video to uh, okay, you know to buffer. It's and, popping up and, and, right. and uh, buffering here. All right. So. Well, let me just play this while you're okay. waiting for the. All right. I gotta I gotta let this. Now we established, but I. Remembering Lacey, our smile would make you smile. Remembering Lacey, how she loved, there's no denial. Now the angels like sing by numbers. And little Connors with her. Wouldn't they play this on the fish? Probably. And she smiled and said, We're all right. And we send our love to you. So, there okay, we go. That's enough. Okay. Okay. So here we go. <laughs> we can't be a new story. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait for it. I can't make her younger, taller, male. There's lots of things I can't do. But boy, no. But if you want a president and you need one, she would be by far the best. What a ringing endorsement! If you want a president, you need one. I uh... I just happen to have one here. God, what a what a you know, and I'm a jackass, but even I would never. I don't think you are. Really. No, but I mean, who says that about their wife in public? Well, I can't make her taller yeah, like or younger. A little corner <laughs> bar somewhere. <laughs> well, he just seems Clinton seems so burned out. All comments have been disabled. Really? Oh, yes. Oh, Fantastic. And it has forty thousand one hundred sixty-three views. Wow. Damn. Behold the power of drudge. Jesus. Adding comments have been disabled. I can't make her younger or male or taller. We can't be a new story. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's nothing we can do. I can't make her younger, taller, male. There's lots of things I can't do, but no. But if you want a president and you need one, I guess she would be by far the best. Jesus. And we send our love to you. Some sort of countdown we could be. Oh! <laughs> that Hillary. Yeah. It's going to be some sort of countdown we could have been doing instead of that. I'm sorry. Well, uh, I. Are you opposed to the remembering? Why do you hate children, Tim? No, I love them. Uh huh. All right. They're in a better place. <laughs> At least that one in particular. <laughs> you love children when they're with Jesus. And they should be. <laughs> Wow. Really? I didn't see it going that direction. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm talking about some sort of countdown we could have been doing. Number one. Number one. Here we go. Number one. Wow, this show has just devolved in the last ten minutes into pure nonsense. Well, I think that's enough out of me. For <laughs> we'll be back. No tomorrow. more observations about children, Tim. No, that's it. All right, fantastic, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world. I did grow up in a home that had children. Well, you were okay. Oh, you mean apart from you? Yes. Oh, as did I. Mm-hmm. As did I. So it's uh, not that I haven't been around children. No, I, I, I've never been around children. Well, you had a sister. Yeah, I mean, when we were kids, I've never, like, spent time around young kids. You were about the same age, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you yeah, never had, like, a... Part. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I had... My brother's five years younger than I am, so yeah. I guess I had that. But I was surrounded by several dozens of cousins. 
Were they uh, were they good cousins or bad cousins? Oh, they're always bad cousins. Yeah, because I mean, cousins—that's the thing. Because have you ever noticed that the cousins are always terrible? Mm-hmm. It, like brothers and sisters, it's sort of luck of the draw. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. Cousins are always bad. And here's the other thing about cousins: if you ever they want you to fail, <laughs> and they destroy your possessions. <laughs> my cousins would destroy all of my crap. Uh, and uh, here's the other thing too: have you ever noticed this about cousins? Like during uh, like the summer or a long weekend or something, you would always have a cousin come stay at your house, which seemed like a good idea. And then after like a day and a half of the cousin being there, you regretted it. Mm-hmm. The cousin would be there like two days, and you're like, F this. Why did I decide to have this cretin come stay at my house? Cousins are like people that you have to have to like, but, you know. You, you know, my do. nieces and nephews are the same way. Well, they, always... they all move on and live their own lives. <laughs> on their long journey to the middle. All right, there you go, Tim you Riley. Lester Bangs. Yes, I was. Mm-hmm. That's what I was doing right, right there. I don't like it because sometimes it seems like you and I share one brain, and that scares me. Well, I can't afford my own. Uh, I have this question for Sarah. But Tim Riley will be back during Like Us, by the way, at four, five, six, and seven. With the news, is only Tim Riley can give it to you. Uh, this question, um, this is from someone who wishes to remain anonymous. What is the perfect non-fattening alcoholic drink? This is from someone who. Has drink, uh, let me see, let me paraphrase a long email. From someone who's drinking a lot of beer, but wishes to stop that because they feel beer is too fattening. Uh, and so they want to know what is the perfect combination of alcoholic goodness and low calories? I think actually my drink of choice, the choice is one of the lowest ones. Vodka? Vodka, vodka soda waters with lime. They have like, um, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I believe they have around like 60 to 90 calories. And all it is, and you can even get. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the kind of vodka, but I, I think that's under 100 calories, and okay. yeah, they're very potent. So a vodka soda water with lime, you would Jen say... Jen Lane is... actually drinks a vodka water with lemon. So you would say that is your, that's your go-to... Uh... I would, because vodka doesn't have as much sugar in it as like, whiskey or any of those All right. kinds of liquor. Uh, vodka sodas. Jesus, the Wall Street Journal runs a futures market in political candidates where traders can bet on the candidates with play money. Oh. The odds, oh, Jesus. Clinton's chance of winning the New Hampshire primary is now at 21%. Obama at 80. Uh, man. I know this is just devolved into the old Imus show here, but really, God. I'm just I'm looking yeah, at really this. You're really excited about this. I, well, only, God, who is, listen to this. I just, here's from the ridiculous to the absurd. Someone has just now sent me an invite to join the Zoom community. Yeah, not going to happen, whoever you are. Delete. Uh, let's see. If we can squirt songs at each other. Uh, all right. Well, in any event. Uh, do we have one more break to take? Mm-hmm. Should we be taking that now? Oh, sure. All right. Let's take a break here. We'll come back and wrap it up after this. Like us at 3, Don and Mike at 7. You stay there. It's the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Let's see. This email said, oh, by the way, we now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Rick, has Sarah tried Portland 88 vodka? Oh, yeah. And what do you feel about that? I am a big fan of it. He says it's damn good. Um, Can you make them a sponsor of the show? Is it possible to get a liquor maker to sponsor the show? Why not? You think it is? I think so. I know they've done, Jen Lane's done some stuff with them for some lister parties. I think, well, there's... Or for, for some of her barfly events. There has traditionally been a prohibition, you'll pardon the pun, against liquor companies advertising on broadcast media, but that's not the law. People think that there's an FCC law against it. It's not. It's just been this unofficial, voluntary uh, rule that media companies have sponsored. That's why you don't see, like, 
whatever. You don't see like... Kind of a, like the unspoken suicide rule? Yes, exactly. Like you don't hear Jack Daniels bringing you stuff on the radio, but mm-hmm. I don't. that's not because it's the, the law. There's certainly no law against it. It used to be that you didn't see hard liquor advertised on television. Um, you know, even 12 years ago, you didn't see, like, Jack Daniels advertised on TV, but now you see Jack Daniels advertised on television because they finally realized that that was money that was just stupid to pass up. Mm-hmm. So um, we could certainly look into it. Uh, he says, uh, by the way, I recommend drinking Everclear, not fattening. It is a little, um, he says it's a little hard to drink, them. So there you go. Everclear's a little hard to get. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's just find out who these people are as we uh, wrap up the show. Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, what's up? What's up? Hey, just I wanted to agree with Sarah that, yeah, a vodka soda, especially a good vodka soda, is extremely low calorie. And, uh, like, my, my dad's a diabetic, and he's really got to watch his diet, but he needs to get the drink on, and that's how he does it. Excellent. Mm, yeah, one so. of my best buddies is diabetic, and that's what he drinks, too. Yep, exactly. It's the drink uh, so. everybody can agree on. Yep, exactly. Mundo. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Oh, one other thing about the uh, the kind of funky gentleman's agreements and alcohol advertising. Yes, uh, if you ever notice in beer commercials, no one ever takes a sip of beer. They're always just holding one. That's, I, another, that's another gentleman's agreement in the alcohol in the alcohol advertising world. That they're actually never shown consuming the beer. You are right about that. And there have been some sort of clever attempts to get around that over the years. Uh, there was a famous Budweiser ad, I think it was Budweiser, where it was a guy literally in a monkey suit. And at one point they had, like, the, the alleged monkey drinking uh, the Budweiser, but that was the way they got around it. Because, yeah, if you, in, in alcohol advertising, you never see anyone consuming the product. Anyway, well noted, sir. You know. Thank you, All my right. friend. Later. All right. Uh, Rick, as I was cleaning up my garage, I found a Christian rap video. I couldn't bring myself to watch it, but it has your show written all over it. I will try to get it to you. Um, Happy New Year. Uh, awesome. Thank you, sir. Uh, last week, I had a dream. I was at a party with the Emerson Showcast drinking Cobra whiskey, and the next day was a big topic. Richie got drunk and drank said whiskey. Last time I fell asleep with the radio on. Uh, let's see. What else? Rick, there's an open invitation to anyone on the show who wants to come by and help with the three-year-old Sunday school and spend some time time with uh, God's children. We have about 25 kids every Sunday. Wait, are they special needs children? No, I think they're just three-year-olds. Ooh. My friend has a three-year-old. That's enough for me. This guy does uh, Sunday school for three-year-olds. Wants to know if we want to come by and participate. I think just the fact that you've extended an open invitation to us is proof that you shouldn't be allowed to teach Sunday school, sir. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Um, I just was listening to the podcast, um, and uh, from that I heard an uh, you mentioned the Army of Darkness. I've never seen yeah. it before. So then I stopped the podcast immediately, got uh, Army of Darkness, loaded it in, watched it, seen it for the first time, and I just finished it. Where did, where did you get it from? I, online. Oh, okay. Excellent. It's and so online. You, and first time you'd seen it? I've never heard of it before. It's, right? the, it's the best movie ever. Oh my God! It was a wonderful. I just out from beginning to end, and um, so yeah. So now in the last embers of the Rick Emerson show, I just called out to just touch. I mean, you know, call out and just it was just, it was wonderful. Excellent. Well, I'm glad that we could, glad we could make your life a little richer, sir. Army of Darkness. Life is too have short. Seen, have you seen Evil Dead or Evil Dead Two? I think I might have seen Evil Dead. I'm not sure. It's kind of the same kind of movie, but different. Yeah, Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two are essentially the same film. And then Eve, uh, Army of Darkness was originally going to be called Medieval Dead, and then they oh. called it Army of Darkness. Well, I think a friend of mine was was telling me about Evil Dead, and I was like, you know, I'm not really into like zombie movies and slasher flicks. And he's like, no, 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 no they're yeah, hilarious. No, they're wonderful. Yeah, I had, I saw. Oh, so this is the same guy. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, it's yeah, all, it's Army all the same of, character. Army of Darkness is the third oh, movie. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, it's the yeah, it's, that is actually the third movie in the series. And I love at the end of the movie, he's like standing there as, the, as a checkout star clerk, you know. Lady, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. (laughs) Genius. It was great. So now I'm going to go back and listen to the rest of your show online. Excellent. Thank you, sir. 
Thank you. All right, there you go. Fantastic. Oh, by the way, I heard the most horrible rumor. I hope it's just a rumor. Uh-oh. There's this awful rumor that they're going to be remaking Evil Dead. Um, and the deal, as I understand it, is... I don't I, seem like a lot of ways that could be a good thing. No, and I, well, you don't even know the worst part. The wor- no, But apparently, the rumor know. is, as I understand it, I think Sam Raimi is contractually obligated to do one more Evil Dead movie. And then the rights revert to him, because I think the studio owns all the rights now. So I think he has to give them one more Evil Dead film, and then he is able to buy back the rights and own the films. But he's got to do one more original film to get it. The worst part is, playing the part of Ash, not Bruce Campbell, Dane Cook. Yeah, think on that. There is no God. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. All right, thank you. Too bad nobody will hear that. Too bad bad nobody will hear (laughs) most of that call. Thanks so much. Thanks for ending the show on sort of a uh, note. Thanks. I think right. we already did that with the Dane Cook thing. I think so. Yeah. How how after is that? That is so wrong. Yeah. Can't even think about it. Yep. Don't don't think on that. Uh, all right. Uh, we want to thank CNN radio correspondents Jim Roof, Steve Kastenbaum, and Leisha Desjardins, as well as Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Uh, join us tomorrow when we will have nonstop coverage. Well, it won't be nonstop, but we'll have coverage of the New Hampshire primary and uh, I don't know much about the crap as well. Uh, coming up later on in the week, Lemmy from Motorhead, Aaron Duran, uh, Mr. Skin, all that coming up. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM970 Solid State Radio. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Richard Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, CBS Radio, Portland marketing guru, Susan Reynolds, and imagery and upstairs is Bridget. And uh, like us next, Donna Mike uh, at 7th. I'll let that you're getting down. Thanks for listening. Bye now. I've had a worse press than a pedophile or a murderer.